Yeah, there we go. If, for some reason on Skype, the first like six seconds, the audio is absolute shit. dog shit, and then <laughs> it clears up to be fine. So, guys, back by popular demand, I have my main man, Eric Cortina here. Uh, Eric, how you doing tonight, buddy? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> oh, man, I, could, I couldn't wait to do it, man. I, look, your episode in uh, five, four or five days, your episode eclipsed my, I'm trying to remember which one it was, but it eclipsed my most downloaded episode in like four or five days, which it normally, and I think it might've been my very first intro episode. So people mm-hmm. who were to come onto the podcast would, you know, naturally, which I'd want to do is listen to the very first one. It's an intro. Hey, this is what to expect from this podcast. And so, of course, naturally, it would have the most downloads. Right. Well, right. then you come on and just wreck that shit because <laughs> everyone just goes straight to the Eric Cortina episode, which I'm completely okay with. And uh, well, and good. glad glad people are – look, man, I've got the most feedback. If you go and look at the – I don't know if you've gone and looked at the comments from that episode. I haven't. Dude, dude. <laughs> it's like people said that was the most informative and best podcast I've ever heard of any podcast. Wow. Like I got more out of that episode than any anything any episode of any podcast I've ever listened to. I got multiple comments just wow. like that. That's good, man. That's good. Like I said, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, my YouTube channel. I started it. I don't know when, five, six, seven years ago. It's been a while. <clears throat> and the reason I started it was mainly to learn YouTube because I wanted to do YouTube for my. Uh, for my uh, business channel, right? Mm-hmm. So and I started very well with that, by the way. <clears throat> Thank you. And I started with that, and man, I didn't know anything about YouTube. <laughs> like I didn't know anything about cameras. I didn't know anything. So I had to learn everything, literally, you know. And and but that's just kind of the type of guy I am, you know. It's like okay, uh, gonna have to learn that now and go on and learn that and but whatever. So then it just went dormant for for a long time when I started my business channel and I mm-hmm. went over there and. And uh, anyway, so I built it up, my business channel, to the point that, uh, you know, I, I just was spending a lot of time coming home, editing videos until freaking midnight and get up again the next morning at 5 a.m., go to work, come home, edit. And I, I thought, man, this is this sucks, but that's just what I got to do. Right. Right. <laughs> well, then I started hanging out with a. Uh, with Matt from Demolition Ranch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean that guy has a huge channel, right? Oh yeah. So I'm like, "All right, dude, you got to you got to <laughs> you got to tell me how how to do this." And he says, "You need to hire an editor." That's it. Just that's just how you get bigger. And I'm like, "Well, okay." He says, "You just do not have the time." He says, "You will never shoot enough footage cuz subconsciously you're, you're going, oh, man, I, I got to edit all this shit. He goes, so you you yourself are shooting less than you're supposed to, and you're just not. And I had a real big camera, and I had everything. And he's like, that big camera you have, it looks amazing, but you're not going to get the content because, one, you don't want to get the camera dirty. Two, it's too big. You're not going to carry it everywhere. So anyway, long story short, uh, I said, okay. So I bought a little camera. You know, just a little tiny point and shoot. Point and shoot, yeah. Instead of a, you know, I had a big rig and everything. But the point is, I hired an editor. 
And uh, once I did, I was like, oh, my God, look at all this free time. You know, yeah, <laughs> not, oh, re- yeah. not really. But, you know, I, I just felt like I had well, com- comparatively. So, oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I mean, hours, true. literally hours. And then I thought, OK, well, but, you know, now I got to pay for the editor. Right. And uh, I thought, well, you know what? Uh, now that I have some free time, I'm going to start passing on kind of what I know, <clears throat> what I've learned in, in 10 years of shooting F class, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, that's kind of where I started the started posting again on my YouTube channel. And, and the things that I have posted about <clears throat> are things that I see on social media that people are having issues with that just. <laughs> and it's everybody has the same issue and people get upset they're like oh my god again the same questions well that's because nobody has given them the answer right it's like right setting up a full-length sizing die did you see that video that i posted oh yeah and it's like <clears throat> nobody shows that method anywhere i mean you can look up and down the internet nobody's going to show you that everybody tells you you know bring the die all the way down until it hits the shell holder and then back it off half a turn and then just pretty much creep up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is like the most absurd way. But yeah, that's what's in the reloading books, you know, and that's that's what everybody, and, you know, of course, that's what everybody starts, right? They read the reloading book. And don't well, get me you wrong. You should. You should. It's a good honestly. resource. As I say, it's a good resource and you should read it. However, they are going to give you the one size fits all answer. You know what I mean? Because the method that I outlined using uh, calipers. For one, I had to do two videos. The first one, I had to show people how to use calipers (laughs) because that fourth way, that step measurement, I realized most people don't know that method, right? And the reason I I figured it out is because when I teach reloading classes, I'm showing that method, right? And I'm like, oh, and then you measure like that. They're like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing there? I'm like, oh, I measured. And they're like, Show me that. And then I'll show them. And they're like, holy shit, I've been doing this for 20 years. I didn't realize you could measure that way. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I had one guy tell me, he goes, that right there was worth the price of the class. <laughs> Just you <Yeah>. showed me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow. Okay. And then I, like 100% of the people that have took my class did not know that method. And that okay. alone told me, like, I better do a video about it. And yeah. It's amazing how many people don't know about that, but whatever. So the point is, uh, the reloading book, it's really hard to explain that on, on in print. You know, For one, you have to know how to use the calipers. Uh, you have to you know, know how to check headspace and all that, all that stuff, right? And, and in the book, it's really hard to do that, you know? I think, and, I think in the future, we're going to get away and I, I, when I say future, I don't I don't have a time stamp on when I'm thinking this, but I'm thinking we're eventually going to get away from books altogether. Now, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think it's a good idea, but we're going to do away with books to where it's going to be a digital book to where you turn the metaphorical page and like let's just say a, a, a reload manual in 20 years. Right. I don't think it's going to be a, a paper book. I think it's going to be a digital book that you turn the page and there's a video that pops up. It's going to have its own video hosting to where, boom, and just like what you said, to where uh, it's hard in print to show any other way than the way they do it. I think it's going to eventually be something like what maybe your method or another method. It's like, hey, here's how to do what we're telling you. Right. Right. I think I think we're going to get we're going to be getting to that point. There's another method. 
Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, diff- a different one here. This mm-hmm. is ex- ex- exclusive. Okay. <laughs> um, so I showed doing it with the calipers, right? Mm-hmm. The other way that you can do it, which is probably easier. I don't like it as much. I like it. It's just I just don't like it as much. You can do the same thing, tighten the die down until, uh, you know, you bump the shoulders more than you need to, right? If you get lucky, you might just bump it two thousands exactly and you're done. But Lay but the point off. is, yeah, the point is to touch the show holder and and hopefully bump the case more than you have to. Okay. Um. So let's just say you bumped it five thousands and you're only trying to bump it two, right? Mm-hmm. So then what you do is you take take the uh, the case out, right? And then you uh, back the die out. Then you put a three thousands feeler gauge on top of the shell holder, and you run the die down until it touches the feeler gauge, and then you tighten the nut. And now, the, the, you know, you got to move it back three thousands. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the feeler gauge acts as just uh, a point of reference to yeah, tighten so, the die so, down. So the first go around, you touch the shell holder, right? And then you go and hopefully you're going to bump the case, the shoulder back. Let's just say five thousands, right? That's touching the shell holder, right? So then you you uh, raise the ram, you put the uh, uh, three thousands because you got to come back three thousands, right? So you put three thousands feeler gauge and then you bring the ram down on the feeler gauge, and then now you screw, <clears throat> you know. You, so what it is, you back the die up, you bring the ram, and then you tighten the die down until it touches that that feeler gauge three thousands, and then you tighten the 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 lock ring, and that should give you the two thousands bump, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I uh, like the I like the way you did it with the calipers. Well, the reason better. I don't like this one is because it still relies on feel, right? And the yeah. press has a lot of mechanical leverage. That it's I mean three thousands is very tiny, right? That's why it's, it's hard. Yeah. But <laughs> the way I did it, as you saw, it's like I'm you're measuring. But by, by the time you put it back on, it's it's dead on. You know, there's no nothing about it that, that where you can't where you can get it wrong. But and of course to verify, then you put you know the tape back at the case, but. Whatever. Uh, I learned that just on my own going every time I had set up a dime, like this is freaking stupid having a, you know, go. And it's just frustrating because yeah. you go too far. Now you're not far enough. And then <laughs> the problem. See, most of my knowledge comes from making mistakes. OK, <laughs> yeah, it's the way a lot um, of people learn and most people learn. So I'm like, oh, I'm bumping two thousands. Right. And this is, I think, the reason a lot of people say, oh, you uh, you're going to have. Case head separations, you know, because <clears throat> that happened to me. I thought I was bumping two thousands, but like I said, when you're bumping two thousands or ten thousands, it feels the same way, right? Um, so I thought I was only bumping two thousands. Well, what happened is because you're doing a trial and error thing, I was bumping more than I had to, and I just didn't know it, you know. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people fall into that into that situation where they think they're bumping exactly what they need and they're bumping too much and they don't know it. So, but you know, that's why I'm like, well, you know what? I'll just throw a, a tape on the back of the case and find out exactly how much I bumped. And, and now I've never had an issue ever since, you know, but these are some of the things that I just had to learn on my own, you know? Right. And, and then what ends up happening is, you know how it is. You learn something and then you just assume everybody knows that. And then just right. I just do my thing. You know what I mean? Eh, just do my thing. And then when people come over to my reloading room and I'm doing something, you know, things that I do just every day, you know, every time I'm reloading. And they're like, whoa, 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 what did you do there? I'm like, oh, well, you know, just checking headspace. And they're like, don't you do that? 
Yeah, I'm like, and they're like, I've never done that. I'm, and they're like, wow, that is so easy. And then I'm like, oh, well, here you go. This is how you do it, you know? What do you, uh, what is a what is a maximum amount of bump do you feel that you can do safely without <laughs> worrying about case head separation or just excess head So space? so the difference between go and no go you've heard of go and no go gauges sure, right? yeah the difference is five thousands between the two so I'm gonna say four I mean. I don't know, three to four. I think that would be max, just based on the gauges, you know. That that would still fall in spec. Uh, but uh, see, it depends. Is is the correct answer? Because I can have ten thousands, you know, I can have the case ten thousands undersized, but if I'm hammering a load that just totally blows out the primer pockets in three firings then i'm never going to have case case head separation right because yeah, i'm gonna right. i'm gonna blow yeah. out the primers ahead yeah, you're, of gonna, time. you're gonna bust that out before the so case it, it gets yeah the, the the answer is it depends on on what you're doing if you're loading a a fairly light load that you're gonna get i don't know 20 firings I'm, i've never gotten 20 firings just i don't know how people do that but people that do uh, they may experience case head separations if if they're doing four thousands. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Two thousands. I, I I think I've never had case head separations at two two to three. Okay, I go two to three, and uh, because uh, you know, I mean, I get maybe ten firings. Uh, you know, my my F class stuff depends on which rifle I'm running, but sometimes I only get six or seven. You know, because if my rifle Okay, this, I got to throw out a disclaimer on this one. This works for my rifle. Be safe with yours. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you uh, but sometimes you know it's it's uh, it likes to run up there and it's like well you know I'll I'll get more brass you know I mean um, what's what's given on your brass is it the primer pockets the primer pockets yeah the primer pockets loose primer right pockets. just getting loose right yeah they 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 quit holding the primers and it's like all right it's time to go you know and uh usually i throw out my brass when like one or two pieces won't hold the primers because I, I always keep them all the same on the same amount of firings sure so then i just toss the brass because i've fallen into the trap where i'm like i can i'm sure i can get another firing you know i'm yeah. sure i can get one more firing and it just it just always bites me because then you go and get that one firing and you're like I bet I can get another one. No, you know what yeah, I mean? It's <laughs> tempting. It just, yeah. yeah. So Eric has learned very quickly about the Just Seven Senate podcast. What are you drinking tonight? Well, so <laughs> on my other channel, I build barnominiums, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my other channel is it's well, it's fairly big. So I'm I'm at that other channel is at the point where people will actually email me and they're like, hey, I want to send you some stuff for you to try, blah blah blah, right? So ranch water reached out to me and they're like hey we're gonna send you some ranch water i had no idea what it was i'm like sure i just thought it was water <laughs> yeah it sounds like water yeah like and uh it's this on a uh, hard seltzer beer i guess it's yeah it's beer you know uh i'm not much of a beer drinker uh but uh this stuff is okay you know it's uh it was like they say it was free and brought to me so it, can't it's like a, it's like a man's truly is what that is Yes. Ranch waters, a man's truly. But it was, I mean, it tastes pretty good, you know. So that's what I'm drinking tonight, just because it was in the refrigerator, and I'm like, all right. 
let's have a good time on the podcast and let me drink a few. So there you go. that's what I'm doing. Um, all right. Where I think we stayed uh, last time we talked about we left off on uh, mental. That's what this mental. episode yeah. is going to be geared around, because honestly, as much as much as I love the reloading talk and I could do a whole nother episode with reloading with you. Oh, yeah. Be happy about it. But uh, yeah, let's talk what, about the mental game. That that is going to affect me more than the reload because even before me and you, you basically helped me for my next barrel or my next uh, cartridge from the last episode. What we're about to discuss is going to help me from here on out in you know starting tonight. You know. So. So. Okay. So so. Once you. I don't know. It's like you figure out the code or whatever. You know what I mean? The the this. I'm gonna. I'm. I don't want to call it a secret because it's out there. So right. this is what I. Whenever I teach classes, this is what I tell my students. I'm like, you guys are always so focused on hardware. I mean, PRS guys are worse. Like yeah, I didn't realize that. Well, it's because you know in F class, it's you find what works for you because you're shooting from the same position. Nothing changes. You know what I'm saying? And oh, PRS, it's like well, you see, got a match director who wants to throw you a fucking, you know, shoot upside down with your pinky toe pulling the trigger well, blindfolded, you know? No, I get it. But see, F class is, is, is pretty bad. Don't get, you know, see. But anyway, uh, but PRS is really bad. Yeah, <laughs> and I here's what I tell it. people when I, uh, you know, let's just talk about reloading or shooting or whatever. But uh, I tell them. Everybody's always so focused on hardware, right? Oh, well, there's <clears throat> oh, there's the new action. Oh, I'm going to try that new action. Oh, man, there's a new scope. There's a new whatever. Oh, new rings. I mean, I have. I, I know people that change rings like every other month because some other new ring. And I'm like, why? Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. <clears throat> the, the point is they're always looking at hardware, 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 hardware. And when I tell them, it's like, what about your software? How come you, you keep upgrading hardware, but your software is the same? You're never going to get anywhere. You know, it's like you can go put a blower in your car. And what's the first thing you got to do? You got to update the computer. You got to you got to put change the software, right? So that it can yep. handle that blower. <clears throat> so everybody always wants to buy hardware, right? And, or buy hits. <clears throat> right. And you... Don't get me wrong. It helps, right? Good equipment helps. But if you don't know what to do with it, you know what I mean? It's 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 like you're not going to get anywhere, you know? So Well, it seems like the big a big part is not even if you don't even which you need to obviously know how to run your equipment, of course, but right. the, the the to me the biggest part of what we're going to be discussing it isn't even involving the hardware it's before you're even using the hardware that mental <laughs> mindset is before the buzzer goes off is equally if not more important than you pulling the trigger almost right so for example you know in uh in f class i'm gonna talk about f class because see prs i'm still i still suck at prs so winning's winning <laughs> you know you got lanny basham you got lanny basham who who's never shot a prs match right. in his life uh, and Keith Cunningham, who wrote um, with uh, winning Secret Sim- yeah, no, well, Landy Basham did, yeah, yeah Keith right. Cunningham did uh, uh, 
Secrets of Mental Marksmanship. Which, right. if you read both those books, it's like Keith read Lanny Basham's book. I think they're probably friends. And right. then he wrote his rendition of the same exact type of mental so, mindset. But, you know, it, everything they do correlates with any type of sport, so, but especially so, shooting. So right there, if you haven't read Lanny's book with winning in mind, you're not even trying. OK, this is what I'm talking about. That's like first thing you need to read. OK. And you just need to read that book. OK. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you need to read books from you know like those those are perfect books right but then like i said this is uh if you are shooting a match and at any point in that match you are pissed off you are already setting up to lose okay at any point right you you have a bad stage and then you're pissed off i mean it's okay to be upset right but if you go to the next stage and you're still pissed off you're already setting up yourself to lose. Why? Because you just brought all that. You're not. Your mindset is not going to be right. You know what yeah. I mean? Bringing you, negativity from the last right. stage to the well, next. Well, so what happens is you already have a built-in excuse, right? Now you don't even have to worry about doing well because now you're like, well, I didn't do well because I was pissed off from that other stage. Yeah, yeah, that's over. Why are you still mad? You know what I mean? That you can't. <laughs> somehow that becomes a, a a like I said it's a built-in excuse and, and a lot of people use it and you know how I know that because I used to do that you know what I mean I used to get so mad just throw shit and blame everybody I mean I would blame everybody and then when I quit doing that that's when I started winning you know I mean it wasn't the only thing but that was one of the right. things that I quit doing and I'm like you know what stay calm don't worry about it so uh, that's what I did. But once you have that mindset, uh, a winner's mindset is really like you literally have to coach yourself while you're shooting, you know, <laughs> which oh, yeah. is really hard. I mean, most people and again, I've done it. <clears throat> if they've never cleaned a stage, they don't shot eight and they realize they're clean and they start thinking, oh, my God, I'm about to clean this. I'm about to clean this. Well, guess what? They quit doing the very thing that got them there, you know. So they they change the plan, and then they sometimes, throw some consciously. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously not on purpose, but they dump one in the dirt, and then they're like, and then all of a sudden they have that mental block. So for example, in F class at long range, you have 800, 900, and a thousand yards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. When we shoot 800 and 900, we shoot the 1,000-yard target, okay? So it's a 10-inch target, but we shoot it at 800, and we shoot at 900, and, of course, at 1,000, it's one MOA. But it's the exact same target, okay? Um, at 800 yards, I had cleaned it a million times, right? At 1,000 yards, which is obviously the hardest of them all to clean, I had shot many, many cleans, 900 Last year was the first time ever for me to clean a 900-yard target. Wow. Think about that. It is obviously way easier at 900, but I just had that mental block, and I just – I knew it, and I just couldn't freaking get rid of it. Yes. And, and, and just – and I knew it, and it was one of those things, and every time every time I'd go to the 900-yard line, I'd be like, okay, 
today I'm gonna I'm gonna clean the stupid target today and something would always happen I, I remember in 2013 my last shot it was at the world championship and I'm like yes finally and uh, the target puller kept the target down too long the wind picked up and I had my bookends where I'm like I'm not gonna go beyond this point and I held max and the wind just picked up more and it and I mean leaked it out by like half an inch but it leaked it out you know what I mean and and then Half it just an inch miles will be a mile. I mean. Exactly. And they just never just never could clean the stupid target. You know what I mean? Uh but anyway, last year I finally cleaned it. And guess what? Once I cleaned it, now it's like like a walk in the park. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't it's know why. Yeah. Right. Now it's a gimme because it should have been all along. Because it, it is I have like I would clean at a hundred. I'm sorry, I would clean at eight hundred, then we'd move back to nine hundred and I drop one or two points. And then I go to a thousand and clean it, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, how in the hell am I doing this? And But anyway, so it's just some of those mental blocks that, that we have and you just have to fight it and get rid of it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that 900 yard target for me was the one that took years, just years to to uh, to get rid of. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, the, just you just have to literally talk to yourself and go. Okay, like once you start thinking, oh, you know, I'm about to clean this. I'm about to clean it. No, say, hey, hey, just get back to doing what you were doing. So usually what I do in F-Class, I I literally talk to myself the whole time. Like, for example, I shoot, target goes down, and I'm like, okay, that was left three, you know, because that's where I, I aim using the, the rings on the target. Sure, yeah, you mentioned that. Yep. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, that was left three. Okay, left three. Okay, and I'm looking at the conditions, and I'm like, okay, same, same. And then when I'm about to tri- pull the trigger, I think more, less, or the same. Is it more wind the last time, less wind, or the same? And that's a pretty easy decision to make. You know, I don't have to say how much, right? The first decision is more, less, or the same, right? And if if I say, well, that's more, then I move half a moi. That's the minimum I will move, okay? Because you've and, got because I have a, a one MOA, MOA play, right? Yeah. So, so for example, in PRS, it would be the equivalent of let's just say you have a I don't know, let's say you have a a big target. It's it's 0.4 wide, right? And you hit in the center, and then the wind picked up, right? right. Then you need to move at at least 0.2 MOA right. more. I mean, yeah, 0.2 mils. Can, yeah, you can you can move 0.4 because that's how wide the plate is. Well, no, you would move 0.2 because see, you were in the center, right? So if you move 0.2, and uh, and let's just say you were wrong, the wind never actually changed. If you have okay. a good gun, you should still clip the edge, right? right? But if you were right, now you just gave yourself a full target worth of width to hit it. You follow right. what I'm saying? Uh, what I'm, I'm sorry, that was my fault. What I'm thinking of, a friend of mine, Daniel Posey, he is a. Um, You're talking about a miss. Yeah, well, yeah, off the downwind side, yeah. right? Yeah, you you said, you, well, you've got a whole, you've got four tenths of a target. Move four tenths, exactly. and it'll, you know, you can at least catch the edge, if not either edge or dead center, you know. Right. right. So yeah, if, if you miss, you need to move at least the width of the target. Right. Right. It's hard but to I, make yourself do that. Even oh, if you it's know that, hard. it's hard to like oh, well, that's, mentally on the clock. Like, ho- holy that's shit, my like point. I'm moving. Yeah, it's really that's hard my to make point. That's that. that's back to the mental block. Right. You're like, so what happens? People miss 
and I hear this, and I, I'm guilty of it too, right? It's like you missed the entire target. You're like, I'm gonna move another, another two tenths, dude. Yeah. You just it's missed it by like half a mil, like you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, I I was at that Revly Peak two weeks ago, and I heard somebody he was coaching for somebody else, and they would miss the target. You know, and for example, it's like hold point four left. Or let's just say 0.7, right? Hold 0.7 left. And they shoot and miss right. And he goes, okay, give me 0.8. I'm like, that one, that 0.1 one ten, ain't going to What make. did you do? Yeah. What, I'm what like, it ain't going to get you there. You, you know, you're going to run out of rounds before you can even get there if you're going to go 0.1 at a time. So you have to be aggressive, right? So, and my, my goal in, in F class, if I shoot a nine downwind, if I'm going to shoot another nine, it's better be upwind. Right. Meaning you did something. You don't get it caught uh, yeah. in your skirt. Right. Right. I'm, I'm like, the the thing that pisses me off the most is stacking two or three nines in a row downwind. And and, and the, what I tell people is like, I shot three nines in a row because I, you know, downwind because I was afraid to shoot one upwind. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> just, just throw it upwind, you know? And at least now you you know where you're at, but uh, you just have to be gutsy, you know. Uh, yeah, and you can bracket it in that case. Yeah, you know, exactly. Right? You got a, a nine on the downwind, then you moved over, and you got a nine on the upwind. Cut it in half. Right. You're dead center. But uh, you know, so anyway, that's back to the mental. And 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 this, of course, what what's really hard about it is you got to do all this on the fly, you know. On the clock. And on the clock, on the fly, and. Uh, as you can imagine, it's really hard for somebody to to shoot. I don't know. Let's just say they go on and they say, I'm going to hold point, point 0.5, right? And then they miss and then they go, okay, now I'm going to go one mil. <laughs> you know, if it's a big target. No, they're going to go, okay, I'm going to try point 0.7 now. You know, they miss again. Like, well, I'm going to point 0.8. You know, and again, it's really hard to uh, to make those moves because you're afraid to miss. So, guess what happens? You keep missing, you know? And right. and again, and then there's that built-in excuse, right? Well, it was really windy. Well, yeah, the first one it was really windy, right? You had no data, you you know you missed it. But if you see your impact, if you see your impact, you should hit on the second. Well, that's kind of the name of the game in in PRS. They should change the name of it to, you know, spot your spot your misses, spot your hits, rifle series, because right. it that's what it's become. Because like you were just saying. If you can see, you have a ruler three inches in front of your eyeball, a perfectly calibrated ruler mm-hmm. three inches in front of your eye, and if you can see that bullet drop off two-tenths off the edge of the plate, well, you've got a ruler to measure to get your next hit. Right. And that's why it's so important to shoot these, uh, why everybody shoots these 24-pound, six-millimeters, uh, for that very reason with plates, bags, and I'm not knocking it. I've got a, mine is like 21 pounds dasher, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, but, but what happens? They, they miss, they didn't follow through. Um, and now they have no idea where it went, you know, where, what they should have done is, uh, follow through, spot your miss, right? Measure it. And then engage, right? Uh, if you saw nothing, if you saw nothing. Don't shoot the same. <laughs> well, that's number one. But number two is shoot something where you can see your impact. 
just dump another shot somewhere. You know what I mean? So right. when when we shoot Navasota, uh, a lot of times when it rains a lot, it's all flooded down there. So the targets are all right above the water. You know what I mean? So, you know, if I see that everybody in front of me is having issues with the wind, uh, like sometimes on my first shot, I just aim at the base of the post and and just don't shoot at the target. Shoot at the base of the post and get my wind, and then I can go from there. You know what I mean? Uh, but anyway, it's all about... You don't want to lose any points, so you end up losing a lot of points. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your fear, your fear of, of that one digger that you could throw to get data, you not shooting it, you're pissing up wind and you end up never hitting anything. Right. You know, it's funny. Uh, a, an example of what you just said. Um, I'm sure. Do you know who Keith Baker is? Uh, Keith, I, I've heard the name and I think I messaged him. He is an amazing, amazing shooter and gunsmith uh, and great guy all around. Keith's a really good friend of mine. And when we shot a match, uh, last, uh, what was it, February this year, right before COVID? Uh, was it either this year or last year? I think it was this year. Uh, we had snow on the ground here, uh, which is rare for us to shoot a match with snow on the ground in North Carolina. But uh, there was a, a KYL rack at, I think it was like 715 yards. And it was uh, not your typical KYL rules, but it is the KYL rack. Right. You have to start from the small target, work your way to the big target, right? Right. Well, with the the, the way it was, the it has a big burn behind it. The problem is it was early in the morning. The sun was behind the target, so the <laughs> burn was very, very shaded, and you mm-hmm. can't. If you miss it, I don't give a it's fuck gone. who you are. Yeah. Just gone. It's eaten up, right? He went, basically shot a digger at the big plate. He called it. Says I'm shooting the big plate. Boom. Saw where he aimed, where he and measured it, and then commenced to get a nine on the stage because he didn't drop a shot after that. Right. So you know. So you know, and I'm gonna clarify. I suck at PRS. I'm gonna say it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I often get off the stage and I go, why did I change my plan? Like, you know, sometimes I don't follow what I'm saying, which is, you know, but see, the thing is, I do know about it. You know, it's like, I know well, I have the human plan. Nature. Right. That's human nature. But so, for example, we shot uh, Tennessee one, one year. I shot it one time and we ended up in the very next stage that we ended up at was the uh, 1200 yard. You know, you had to shoot like seven, eight, nine thousand and 1100, 1200, you know, something like that. I think it was 12 shots total. So they gave us an option, shoot it right there and then, like at 3 p.m., or shoot it the next morning. And a lot of guys are like, well, you know, let's just get ahead and get it done right now. And I'm like, guys, it's going to be nice and calm in the morning. You know what I mean? We should probably shoot it in the morning. <clears throat> and they're like, well, yeah, you're right. Okay. So we went, you know, we went to the hotel. The next morning, you know, it's 1,200 yards. Nobody wants to go. And I'm like, I'll go first. Like, I volu- I said, I'll go first. And, you know, that was like my first ever two-day match. But I'm like, I'll go first. And they're like, I know what they're thinking. Like, ah, idiot. You know, this guy's an idiot. But but <laughs> no. a good wind dummy. <laughs> right. Except that it was early in the morning. It was windy. However, the first shot was, I think, 700 yards. Well, these were freshly painted targets. That's why I wanted to go first. So I shot my uh, my 700, whatever the closest one, and I I I hit it, you know, right of center. 
I milled it, and then I then I proceeded to hit everything center except the 1200. I missed the very first shot. I just, you know, I was holding like six tenths, and then uh, when I went to 1200, I held eight point eight, and it needed a full mill. You know, it, it it was like it was a point two difference from one target to the next, to the next, to the next. It's nice when that works out that way. Yeah, except they didn't. <laughs> yeah. That's why I missed the last, but I missed one shot. So I, I ended up what dropping one point on that stage, right? But it's all about tactics, right? Uh, oftentimes you have to think about what's going to get me the most points. And then you just have to play it that way. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like I said, oftentimes they're like, no, you know, let's just get it done, whatever. Well, wait a minute. It, it's not cheating. It's like giving you the option, right? Now, if you had to shoot it, well, then shoot it and, and, and do whatever you can. But they were giving us the option to shoot it. And like I said, a lot of them just wanted to shoot it because they wanted to get a head start. What but were they giving you the option for? Because we were early um, and there was there was not a full – there was like one or two – Squads. Uh, squads and i think the one in front of us was one of the empty ones like two empty ones so yeah. then they're like hey if you guys want to shoot it it doesn't matter because you're not going to catch up to anybody anyway because the guy you know there was a, a open squad in front of us right he goes you're just going to yeah. put the squad behind you <clears throat> you know tomorrow and i said uh and like i said that's why a lot of guys are like hey, you know we should just get it done right now that that means we're going to get done earlier tomorrow but uh you know, bring a beer quicker. Exactly, but then that's when I had to talk to them, and I was like, "Hey guys, think about this." <laughs> yeah. and, and we ended up getting really good scores the next day. You know, yeah, because if it's at the end of the day, three o'clock in the afternoon, those targets are beat the shit. And it was I windy, mean, and the mirage was crazy. <clears throat> mirage is the biggest thing. Yeah, and I'm like, man, I mean, I didn't want to shoot it, but they were not thinking about score; they were thinking about drinking beer. <laughs> That's normally my problem as well. Um, yeah. But uh, I do want to come back to a Mirage <laughs> thing because I, <laughs> I, I want to talk to you about that. But what is what is your – for the people who haven't read, um, which I suggest – and I I think in my, first, my second podcast episode I had mentioned with Winning in Mind and uh, also uh, the Secrets of Mental Marksmanship books and how they are almost required reading. Uh, but for those who haven't read it, he goes, Lanny goes over the the mindset and the mental exercises before you even go to the match. Mindsets to be in. So talk me, because this just parallels with PRS, F-class, bench rest, three gun. It doesn't matter. Really any sport that's an individual <laughs> sport, in my opinion, or you have an individual right. task uh, as a competitor. What is your your mindset when you let's say you show up Saturday morning two day match right. you show up Saturday morning? Well, I'm going to talk about F class because that that's the, yeah that's fine because yeah. like I said so, it goes they all go together. So first of all, I show up just loose, you know, talk to everybody, shake hands, whatever, you know what I mean? And everybody's like, oh okay, yeah, you know, just having having a good time, right? But then when it's game time, it's game time. Right. So, for example, I'm looking at the wind. I'm looking at the flags. And uh, in F class, you have uh, depending on the on the uh, format, but let's just say 30 minutes. You know, you, if you have to shoot 20 shots, they give you 30 minutes to shoot those 20 shots. OK. And then you have ciders. Sometimes you only have two ciders. Sometimes you have unlimited ciders. Right. 
And you would think that giving you 30 minutes is like, oh, that's so easy. Well, it's not because once you say, I'm done with my ciders, I'm going for record, you have the very next 20 shots count regardless of what happens. Sure. You know what I mean? So you have to stack 20 shots inside of one MOA in a row. Now, that's the goal anyway, right? So what ends up happening is oftentimes people start, you know, they say, okay, they give you the, the go command and everybody starts shooting. You know what I mean? And I used to do that too. I used to pride myself and try to be one of the first ones to sense a round down range. You know what I mean? Which for one, that's dumb because a lot of guys confuse the commands with prep because we they give us prep and then they give us the green light. A lot of guys, end up, they end up shooting during prep when you're not supposed to shoot. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and so, you know, a lot of guys, they get, uh, you don't get DQ'd, but they give you a zero for your first shot, which right, pretty yeah. much in F class, you're, that's it. You're done. Uh, but so I learned, okay, don't do that. And I didn't learn the hard way. I just learned, don't do that. You know what I mean? Right. And then, learn from others' mistakes. Right. <clears throat> but then you have to lay there, look at the wind. And if it's a wind that you don't like, don't shoot, you know? Like, right. so what I've learned, one of the biggest things I've learned is, look, I can shoot a shitty score in the last 10 minutes. I don't have to shoot it in the first 10 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I just, if I don't like what I'm looking at, I just wait. You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, the guys next to me, they're going to start shooting. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and then once they start shooting, I start watching them. I'm like, okay. Okay, I see what the wind's doing. So what I'm doing is, here's the the very best scenario in F-Class. Is you get paired up or you get next to you, close to you, is some kid that's a really hard holder. What we call really hard holders that, that they shoot really well, but that they don't know how to read the wind. Because they're just giving you a weather report. <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're like, oh, I know that kid doesn't know how to read the wind, so he's always going to get caught. You know what I mean? Just almost. So what they do is they don't. They react. Oh, they shot one downwind. Okay, the next one they're gonna aim upwind. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so yeah. if they're centered up, they're centered up, and I'm like, <clears throat> okay, they're centered up. Good. I'm gonna I'm gonna start watching them. And then you start watching them, and then you start watching the wind. And then I'm like, okay, the wind just picked up. Let me see what's gonna happen. Boom, he goes downwind, and I'm like, okay, that's a that's a. That's a true wind. Like, I can trust that wind. You know what I mean? And then I start making mental notes. I'm like, okay. And then I start, you know, they start going. And even if it's a if it's a good shooter, you can start watching them. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and uh, even if they – it's very hard for them to hit. When it's nice and consistent in F-Class, them guys are going to be punching the half MOA circle. Okay? I mean, it's no problem. Just punching – especially a good shooter. And that's who you want to watch. You want to watch a good shooter with a good gun, right? Sure. And they might be punching the center of the X, and then you see it pick up, and they may leak over to the 10 ring. They're still in the center, but they're over to the you know downwind. And I'm like, okay, he moved. Either either it's going to be downwind or upwind. You know, they're not going to get it perfect. But that tells you that they, they moved. You know what I mean? Right. And you're like, okay, okay. Something happened here. He moved. He moved. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, you can watch others, and and you can actually learn from that. It's it's no different than in PRS when you watch others shoot, right? Right. Like seeing how someone negotiated a, a, an obstacle, a barricade, and you're like, ooh, he got he got caught right there. 
not to do that or like ooh, right. that look like it worked really well like i've practiced that before right so that. so uh you know pay attention pay attention to the other shooters so in f class that's what i do i start watching other shooters and i go okay all right and uh sometimes if the if the if the wind is consistent then i'm one of those that just start shooting and i just machine gun them down there you know what i mean if it's good take advantage but if it's bad don't jump in there and, and try to be a hero you know what i mean it ain't gonna happen very seldom right. Does somebody shoot really well in switchy winds? So just wait for the conditions. And uh, oftentimes what I do is I'll find a condition that I like and I shoot in that condition and then back off and just wait and then jump back in. You know, sometimes I wait three, right, four. When it, when it presents itself again. Yeah, when it comes back, condition. I'm like, okay, there it is. All right. And But you, you have to keep in mind, you, I have to jump back in. and So I, I'm, I'm hitting a one-way target and then I stop. And I wait five to six minutes. Then I have to jump back in and hit that one MOA target at a thousand yards. You know, and that's where it's really hard. But uh, once you kind of, you know, the first time it always happens. You're always like hoping you're right. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I hope I'm right. And you send it. And then once you hit it, you're like, okay. And then you put two or three or four in there as many as you can before the wind changes. You know, you have something you have to ride the wind. But then it gets to the point where like I, I'm I'm just not comfortable, right? Right. No one to stop. And then you gotta stop, right? But you had to stop before you throw a nine. You know, a lot of time a lot of people stop on a nine. Well, it's too late, you know. I mean it's yeah, it's fine to stop. You, yeah, right. Yeah. But you. you should stop before that happens. And and how you know is because you're just not certain about the shot anymore. You know what I mean? If you're not certain, don't send it. And of course, this is this is F class, where you have the time. But uh, um, and then you just have to be consistent and go. I'm gonna have to wait for that condition to come back. And then once you are certain, I don't. If the condition comes back, I don't jump in immediately. I give it time. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna wait for it to settle. You know, okay, is it there? Because sometimes it looks like it's back and it's not. It was just kind of driving by you know <laughs> right. it was just dropping off or picking up but once i see it settle again i'm like okay there it is and i send another one and if i hit the center uh once you do that a couple of times you get really confident and then you and then it's a lot easier to stop because then you you figured out the jumping uh the, where to jump in right. and then stopping is a lot easier uh, i was shooting the texas state championship a couple of years ago or oh, three years ago, and uh, I was shooting, and I stopped at shot 16. I remember, well, you know, I was stopping along the way, but at shot 16, I stopped, and I waited and waited and waited, and then uh, condition came back, and I jumped in at 17, and I hit a 10 or an X, and then shot 18, got it, got it again, shot 19, got it again, and then shot 20, I chambered it. And then it it just didn't feel right. Like the wind had changed enough. And most guys, they're just going to get it over with, especially if they had a good score. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to end it. Even if I drop a point, I'm still fine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope. I stopped. I took the round out, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And then finally it came back, chambered it again, shot a 10 or an X, whatever. I won the championship, right? So a friend of mine – he asked me, how in the hell did you do that? I'm like, what? He goes, hold on 19. He goes, because it would have been real easy just to pull the trigger and be done with it. You know, it's over. It's, it's. And I said, 
That's how you lose championships. Because I was not. The score difference was between yours and the next place. Yeah, it was like three points. It would not have mattered. Uh, But you don't know that at the time. Exactly. You don't know that at the time. And not only that, uh, I'm assuming I would have hit a nine. What if I would have hit a seven? Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know. I just know the wind was different. I don't know by how much. So I didn't Mm -hmm. shoot. Had I shot, I would have found out. And what if, you know, again, I didn't know how the other guy was doing. I just knew that I had to hang on to as many points as I could. And, uh, you know, I ended up winning by, by two or three points. But that's that's the name of the game right there. Uh, the next year, I was shooting again. And, and the guy that I was shooting against, he was right next to me. And when I say shooting against, he was my closest competitor, right? I just sure. knew it was him and or I, right? Right. And I start shooting. And through my scope, I see him dropping points. And dropping points, you know, and I'm hitting tens and X's and I'm like, oh, okay, so kind of, which I should not be doing, right? This is part of the mental game. I should not be paying attention to him, but I see him dropping points. So I get to shot 15 and I'm only drawing down one point, you know, and I go, okay, he's dropped at least five points. Okay. I said, he hit an eight and I know he hit at least three nines, maybe more. So I'm certain he's dropped at least five points. All right. I said I was ahead of him by five when we started, all right? So right now, as I'm sitting here, I'm at least ahead of him by five points because I had dropped a few, right? And I'm like, I could drop five points. Like, I could hit all nines from here on out and still win, right? Well, guess what I did? I went for it, and I dropped four nines. Like, I only hit 110 on those last five shots because in my head, I I – said it was okay to hit nines. Yeah, you gave yourself the excuse to hit nines. And and I shot and I hit nine, and I won by eight points. I I won by a lot, but I was not happy. I was not happy because I gave myself permission to shoot nines and I should never have done that. You gotta fight to the end because what if I was wrong? You know what I mean? What if what if he didn't drop those points? You know? I just I just kinda left so the bottom line is every time any time you drop points you leave the door open for somebody to move in sure. and, and win, right? Because, see, I'm watching him, but what if somebody else just shot a perfect score? And I'm over here dropping yeah. points like crazy because I'm yeah. like, oh, this guy. I was going to say that. Yeah. So uh, the point is hang on to your points. Get as many hits as you can. And uh, do as good as you can. And don't get pissed off because that that's not going to help you or anybody else. Yeah, a, g- a good correlation to PRS of something you're talking about as far as pulling that round out of the chamber is, and, I, and I'm the most guilty of this, um, is when you get into it in PRS, if you get into a, a precarious position where you're not comfortable, your natural reaction is to go ahead and get out of that position to get onto some, a pos- the next position, which may be more comf- like physically comfortable, mm-hmm. where if you had just if you would just have waited and taken a shot on that uncomfortable position, right. you might have gotten a hit instead of burning one, just moving right. on to the next one. Exactly. You know, um, and, it's and, mental fortitude to, to, to do that, to, to know on the clock, under pressure, stop. Take your time. Let the crosshair settle. Break the shot. Well, yeah. So you start to panic, right? Because you're like, oh, this is not going the way I thought it was going to go. And instead of, because of, it's obviously it's really hard to calm down when you're panicking. And that's literally what you have to do. So at the Revely Peak match, 
we went to a stage that we had to shoot two two target racks. One was like at 400 yards down the hill. The other one was like at 900 up the hill. And then you had okay. to turn turn like 45 degrees. So before I went on, I'm like, okay, I'm going to set my bipod at the lowest point. And when I switch targets, I'm going to extend my bipod. That's just how it's going to be done. You know, even if I run out of time, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get comfortable. You know what I mean? And I did. I shot the targets up close. When I moved to the far one, I stopped. I extended my bipod. And then I engaged the far targets. And the reason I decided I'm going to do that is because I saw a lot of, like, almost 100% of the shooters, they would set it up real high to shoot the far ones. And at the close ones, they were missing the close ones because they were having to pretty much just hold the gun on the back because it was, yeah, it was too high, right? And I thought, I'm not going to give away those points, you know. I'm just going to take my time. And I did. And, uh, you know, I was pretty proud of myself for that because that's kind of part of the game plan that you have to do. it, And don't deviate from it unless you absolutely have to. But, you know, I, I took my time. And that's one of the things that I often don't do. Yeah, uh, me too. Is, uh, you know, go with a game plan like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to extend my bipod. You always try to find a happy medium. It's like, well... Instead of making it perfect for, for both, I'm going to make it okay. Just kind of half-ass it. Put it right in the middle, and, and then instead of shooting... I mean, you would have been better off just making it good for one stage, because at least you would have probably gotten those points, right? But you end up yeah. uh, just kind of splitting the difference, and now now you miss, you know, you miss them all or, or whatever, just because you were not comfortable at all the whole yeah, time. And- and I, I'm, I'm very like you. I'm guilty of it to where I feel like you know, I've been in a, a, a almost a very, very similar situation to that to where I was like, man, if I extend my bipod legs, that's just going to eat up time. Well, right. it eat up that much time. And you, once you do it, you'll be glad you did it. And if you don't do you, it. So if you do it, it's going to eat up time. If you don't do it, it's going to eat up points. Points. Exactly. I was, that's <laughs> you got to think about it that yeah. way. Um, yeah, exactly. And you know, I've got to make I've got I mean, I've got to make myself do that too before it's even my turn. Hey, right. like you did. Hey, I I know when I do this, I'm not shooting it unless I raise those bipod legs up because once I do that, I'll be glad I did and I'll feel good about it when it's if I time out on the last shot. Oh well, I gave myself as a 10 10 round stage. I gave myself the best situation possible for those first nine rounds. So, so, them. so the 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 punchline of that of that story is I missed the far target, <laughs> but I still came off the line pretty happy with myself because I didn't time out and I took the time to uh, to set up properly. I mean, I was comfortable. Um, those targets, like I said, you had to switch 45 degrees. You had to turn. And they were uphill, and the wind was just totally different. And and uh, they were in front of brush, so so where if you missed, you had no idea where it went. So that right. that's you know I missed, well, and I'm you, like you I, didn't you didn't miss because of the position you were correct. in. Correct, I missed, missed because, because of other circumstances. Correct, and that's why so I was that's I was okay with. Yeah, I was okay with that uh, because had I not been comfortable, I would more likely still missed and not even know why. You know, it's it's and walking off the line. Be going, upset about it. Right, because you would have, 
walking off the line not knowing what happened is the worst feeling in the world. You know what I mean? Because you you don't learn. You, you just you just lost points and you have no idea why. And so you can't build on that at all. You know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell myself a little bit here. Um, my last two day was at VPRC and there was uh which is Virginia. Um, there was a stage. It was the helicopter stage, and it was three prairie dogs. It's basically a, a prone stage. You got to lay down in the belly of the helicopter, the floor of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And Eric, these targets, it was the it was probably the most cleanable stage I, I think I have ever shot. I mean, you might you could have thrown your bullets and probably <laughs> hit these yeah. targets. They were so short distance. There are three different distances, but it's the same dope. Right, right. It's, you don't have to touch anything. I get up there, I'm like, I in my mind, I had already cleaned it. Yeah. Like, I, I cleaned it before I even picked up my rifle. Some, I, I missed the first one, which the furthest one, which still was only like 350 yards. And this is a fucking full size. <laughs> it's good. This is ridiculous, right? That I missed right. it. And I'm like, where the hell did those go? I aimed for the middle one and nothing. I see nothing. These are on the dirt. There's no reason why you can't even see this shit. I'm like, what the fuck? I held at the bottom of the target and boom, I got a hit. And I moved to the uh, the third one, which is even closer, and missed all of those. And I was, I think I got like a one or a two on the stage. I'm like, what the fuck was yeah. that? Like I was, I was stable. I was. There was no wind. If even if there was wind, it's still so short a distance. There's no. I think the lowest score of mine was like a seven, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm racking my brain and I'm sending my, the uh, my last round goes off and I'm in the damn helicopter and I look at my fucking scope. My dope was point seven. I had dialed one seven. <laughs> I was and I don't. I still don't know how I hit the middle yeah, part. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? I hit it, but. I, I was so mad. I, I fucking I took my and I've never done this in a match in my life. I took my bag. I fucking threw it out of the helicopter. I was I was cussing a fucking storm. And I get back. I, I'm going back to my uh, bag, which my my pack, which is way behind the helicopter, kind of away from everybody. And my my bag that I just threw was on the ground, and I yeah. was just so I didn't have to bend over with a 22 pound rifle. I kicked the bag over towards my pack, my rear bag uh-huh. towards my pack, and the RO's like, you know, one more one more of those, and I'm DQ, stays DQing you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, fucking do it, you know. And which is uncharacteristic. Yeah. Of me. Yeah. I was just so mad at myself. Right. And then uh, I, I had to stop. I said, all right. I know what went wrong. When I dialed my dope before I even was my time, I did not pay attention to where I was in the turret where I dialed it. And I didn't double check it. That is my fault. And that is an easy fix. Right. 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 I can't let this go to the next stage. So right. I woosad, goose fraba, whatever, <laughs> tried to come back to Zen. And the next stage was like uh, there's a bunch of big boulders and we had to shoot a target at like 650 or something like that off these boulders. And I got a, like an like an eight. I think I dropped two points on it. And I was right. like, all right, cool. Back in the game. Calm down. Had I had this same situation happen maybe a year or two ago, my rest of my day was shot. Like it was oh, fucking, yeah. rest of my day was shot. 
Well, see, so so here's another thing that happens in F class, right? Um, and I've seen it. They'll take a shot, right? And they're centered up, and they're just rocking and rolling, centered up. And all of a sudden, they shoot and they hit an eight, like one MOA downwind, you know? Just hell no, that's half one. Yeah, like one one and a half MOAs downwind, right? And they're like, and they just put their head down, you know? The target comes up, they put their head down, and they just totally defeated. They have no idea what just happened, right? And what you should do when that happens, you need to scan the field and find a flag that's up or something that just looks different, right? And find the cause of that eight. Instead, they just put their head down and they get, or they start cussing or whatever. And so guess what? They 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 paid for it, but they didn't learn anything. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't get nothing out of it. They got absolutely nothing out of it. So it's like, okay, you shot one downwind. Scan the field. There's going to be something that looks different. Find the flag. Find find whatever did that, you know, so that you don't do it again. And uh, and I see that all the time. You know, they, 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 they shoot the eight and then they get defeated automatically, you know. Yeah. And, of course, that's that's not, you know, because it's going to happen again and again and again. You know, and I've seen people shoot what they call uh, windshield wiper eights. You shoot the eight on that side and then there's eight on the other side. And yeah. that's because they they didn't scan the field. They shot an eight downwind, and then they didn't look around, so they assume it's still there. And it may have just been a gust or something. And by the time they get done sobbing and and being mad at themselves, they make the correction, and now the condition's gone. And now they put yeah. an eight on the other side. That's history. And, and now they're thinking, oh, maybe it's my gun, maybe you know. And then now they have no idea, you know. And now they're just down. Now they're down eight, uh, four points and two shots and. And they just think they're never gonna get out of there, and and see that's where, see that's where F class can be really cruel. Like you start with an eight, and you still have to shoot 19 more shots, and the first shot you already lost, and there's no do-overs. Like you're already in score. Like in, <laughs> and so that's really freaking difficult. Like PRS is fairly easy mentally because you don't have time to think. You know what I mean? You have a minute and a half and you start and you get going and whatever, you know, you, you just kind of roll with the punches. In F class, you have 30 minutes and you have 20 shots. And if you dump like so a very, very typical is one, nine on or nine, one on is what it is. You you get your ciders and everything's perfectly centered and then you turn around until the scorekeeper. Hey, I'm going for score. Like, okay, and then the first shot you take is a nine. After you just shot a bunch of tens and X's that didn't count, you were just doing ciders, and that, that one second, that you, that extra second that you take to take the, the to tell the scorekeeper that you're gonna, that you're gonna go for score, something changed, you turn back around, you assume everything's the same, you take a shot, it's a nine. And then you're like, what the fuck? And then now you go, or sometimes it's an eight. And now you're like, now I'm going to do another 19 freaking shots. And now I'm already don't know where I'm at. You know, it's very, it's very, man, it's very taxing on you to shoot F class in the wind. I mean, if, if you're, if you're trying to win, if you're at the top, you literally get off the line exhausted because you, you thinking you're tense the whole time. You know, I shoot a one ounce trigger on my F class rifle, one ounce. Holy fuck. And that thing feels heavy. Like you can't imagine. When when I'm tense, 
like I'm literally sometimes thinking, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, go, 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 push, push, push. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm really pressing on the trigger and it just won't go because I'm so like, I hope I don't freaking blow a six or something. You know what I mean? It's and anxiety. I'm, I mean, it's anxiety. Yeah. And, and that trigger feels like a five pound trigger. And then it's like, oh, you let it go and you're like, okay, all right, there it went, you know. And then you clip a nine or, or a ten. Maybe you clip a ten on the edge and you're like, okay, okay. And then you see the wind change again and you're like, shit. And then you're trying to get let the other one go. And, you know, and like I said, it's a freaking one ounce trigger. And you would think it's like a five pound trigger. It's amazing how, how your brain just takes over and, and takes over the entire body. You know what I mean? <laughs> Once yeah, you get it's, tense. Yeah, it's, um, it is amazing because that's exactly what happens. Uh, for the good, for the good or the bad, right? right? And because you, you want that to happen in your subconscious the right way, you know, and that's that's where this whole system, like uh, with winning in mind and stuff like that, is train your subconscious to where it does all the work for you. Right, right. You know, instead of letting your sub untrained subconscious completely butt fuck you for the rest of the day. Oh yeah. So, so when we shoot F class, you know, I mean, I shoot F class at, at pretty much at the highest level, right? I, I shoot with the F class, the US F class team and all that, mm-hmm. and uh, they put me last. I'm the last shooter. Even even on Team Lapua, I'm typically the last shooter because that's the shooter that's gonna carry. The first shooter is the easiest. Like the new shooter, he always goes first. And you would think, well, that's that's not very smart. No, it, it is because there's really no there's really no pressure. It's gonna on be the, the lowest shooter. the lowest stress level is gonna be the first shooter. I mean, they're probably gonna be nervous because they're they're first, right? But their score, there's nothing to compare their score against, right? They should, well, they, there's, there's, they know that they've also got an entire team of folks to maybe pick up their slack, whereas the last shooter is I've got to pick up anybody, everyone else's slack. Well, to, for yeah, us so, to win. so, so what happens, for example, the last shooter, um, let's just say everybody else shot clean, right? Oof. Like meaning perfect scores, and you're the last one, right? Don't fuck it up, and, Eric. Exactly, and you're thinking. <laughs> and so, so for example, in in 2017, I think it was in Lodi. You know, I, I was always the last shooter. I've, I've always been the last shooter. And even in the in uh, in Canada, the World Championship, when we shot in the the team that I was on, the coach like, okay, you're 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 my last shooter, okay? Because because you can handle the pressure, you can shoot fast, you can shoot slow. It, you know, I, I, it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, so I'm shooting 2017, right? And all my other teammates shot clean, and I'm the last shooter, right? And I mean, we're just rocking and rolling. And we're just centered up like you can't imagine. We're just punching the center, punching the center. And uh, like I really don't – I just get in the zone, right? And then just just go, go, go. And then I, when they said uh, on the last shot, you know, he gave me – the coach gave me a wind call. So in team shooting, what happens, the coach gives you the wind call and the shooter just breaks the shot, right? Sure. And uh, and you got to break the shot exactly where he told you to break it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, he gives me the last wind call, and I shoot, and uh, I get off the gun, and I'm like, we got it. That son of a bitch was center. It's, it's like whenever I shoot F-class and I'm really in the zone, I can see my own trace mm-hmm. right right into the target. you know. And this was 600 yards. So I could see perfect. And I saw that last shot go right in the center, and I'm like, we got it. We got Check it. Check it up. Yep, let's go. And sure enough, we shot clean, right? So that was we shot at 800. 
because 20 shots, 10 points max, so 800 points because four shooters, right? Uh, then we we change, and then we got to shoot again, okay? So the maximum score for the team was 1,600, right? So it was quite a bit of pressure with that 800, right? When There was a 600 on the line, and I could have ruined it, right? The next time I got to shoot, there was a 1,400. Everybody had shot clean again. So I'm, I'm there. I'm shooting, and uh, we have a possibility to shoot a perfect 1,600, and I'm the last shooter again, you know? Long story well, short. Yeah, what is – what is okay, your team just cleaned. You, you just said you know – what is on the line here? What is what are the thoughts you laying on the ground? What are you thinking that's, right okay. there before? So, sure so, so that's the that's right there's the question. Nothing. You should think nothing. You should think, okay, get your stuff ready, just like always. Process. So the, the the mindset should be the same as if that wasn't happening. Right? You have to block everything out. So I'm I'm just getting ready and uh, and I'm not thinking Anything other than, okay, my rest is solid. All my stuff is tight. Okay, gun is tracking well. Okay, target 66. Okay, target 66. Verify. Coach, are we on target 66? Yes, we are. Okay, perfect. Uh, can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. You know, you pretty much go down the checklist like like if you not like if you were not sitting on a 1400. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And just go through that checklist, make sure everything's fine. Get your ammo, get, get your timer. You know, so that you don't run out of time. Pretty much go the, down the same checklist. And if you stay, if you follow the same checklist or the same procedure that you always do, you're not even going to have time to think about the 1400. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was thinking about it going into it. But once I lay down, it's all about process. It's gone. You know what I mean? It's gone. And then once we start, it's like, OK, all right. Boom. Break the shot. OK, break the shot. You know, and for example, the coach is like right to. Boom, I'd break the shot, you know, open the bolt, throw another round in there, put the gun back where it goes, you know, back against the stop, you know, go back to the previous shot. Because the way we do an F-class in team shooting, if they give a right three-hold and you shoot, you you prep, you know, you shoot, you open the bolt, you take out the – because typically I don't have – in F-class I don't have ejectors. So the, the I put – it has an extractor, but it, the, the brass just sits there, right? So sits I grab there. it, put it in the box, put another one in there, put my gun back in the front, get my joystick, and I go back to the previous hold, right three, right? Cause, sure. So I go back to there, and uh, as the target's coming up, I close the bolt. You know, it's the same procedure every time. So I just go back to that procedure, you know what I mean? And I don't at all. I don't care that we're sitting on a – 1400 you know what i mean i'm just i'm there to do a job and that is do the same thing every time unless you're told otherwise you know what i mean and it's and once you start it's really it kind of just falls into place but uh, some of the newer shooters that we have that that we're developing oh my goodness you can tell they're there <laughs> if there's a pause or anything they, they're just shaky they're and it's like, hey, calm down. And, and, you know, we have to talk to them like, hey, it's not a big deal. It is not a big deal. Because in the whole scheme of things, it isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole so do, you pra- do you practice uh, when, when, you're, when you're practicing? Are, are you practicing uh, in F class 
in the same manner of which you would be shooting in a championship sitting on a 1400 about to go? Like, are you, are you purposely in your practice time setting that type of situation up to where it is like riding a bike or, or it's the you know, back to procedure or anything no, like that? Well, see that, no, it's, it's, uh, you don't practice like you're sitting on a 1400. You just practice what works, you know, you just, and then, then you just, and then you, uh, you, uh, execute that plan regardless of what your score is. Right. Okay. If you're Not losing problem. by 10 points or if you're winning by 10 points, you, your performance should not be any different. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, because performance is the only thing that you can control. Correct, and that's that's back to the else. that's back to the if you have a if you bomb stage five at a PRS match, there's no reason why you should bomb stage six, right? Because at stage six it starts over, the whole procedure starts over again, right? And you should have learned what happened on stage five. Like correct. What caused you to bomb? It. A, a lot of guys they just take that with them. They bomb stage five and then they bomb stage six and seven and then and everything's blamed on stage five. Right. So F-class is no, I mean, any sport is the same, right? You should perform the same way and you need to come up with a procedure, you know, whatever it is. So, so for example, in PRS, I've come up with a go to the next stage, right? I get my rifle. I read the book. I read the whatever, come up with a dope, you know, for, for my stage. I dial it in. I read, I listen to the brief, you know. Always listen to the brief. I've learned that yeah. the hard way. Yeah, Don't read the book and go, oh, I know how to do this. No, no. Listen to the brief. Uh, double check your stuff. You know what I mean? And then um, that's kind of the procedure I've come up with, right? Um, and then when the, when the match is over, go back, put my brass away, write down my score. You know, just kind of move away from everybody. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know how it is. Well, how'd you do? Well, you know, they start asking you questions, which is it's great. However, you just need to do your thing. And once you start doing your own thing where, okay, once he gets off the line, he puts his stuff away, you know, they leave you alone, right? And then you right. just got to do they, your well, thing. They learn you. They, you know, right. they learn and, what you're and, doing. And then after you're done with your stuff, then you can bullshit all you want, right? But you just have to follow that procedure every time, every time, every time. Yeah. And then you do it stage after stage after stage. It becomes... It becomes what you do, and uh, if there's something that you're doing that that doesn't work, you're gonna change it. But see, you have to change that procedure, you know. You just have to keep doing it over and over and over. So, like, I do better at club match. I mean, I do better at uh, two day matches than I do at club matches because at club matches, I'm just there to shoot the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, when I do go to two day matches, which I only been to one this year, but um. That's when I take it a little bit more serious, you know, uh, and I, I have that procedure, you know, and same thing with F classes. It doesn't matter that you're sitting on a 1400 or, or whatever. You're just going to do what you do, you know, and once you do the same thing every time and, you know, works, it's going to be very easy. It, it becomes second nature. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've 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 this year have just. It's funny you're mentioning this because I just this year have come to the point where. I realized that I was I was never I was never really comfortable in between stages as far as preparedness for the next to where I felt like when I get to the next stage like oh shit like I didn't I didn't load my mags or right. I, I need to uh uh you know all this or I've been you know writing down so I've got I've got kind of a procedure now to where really not for the sake of having a procedure like you're talking that you should 
but more so just to so I'm not you know fucking myself in the next stage when I'm like oh shit I'm up you know second to shoot <laughs> right. in the next stage and you know I don't have any of my shit I don't have anything so and yeah like the listen to your stage brief look it sounds silly but I I've literally this year so like all right look I need to just shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> I'm, you know, chatty Cassie, social butterfly. I need to shut the fuck up and listen yeah. and then look like actually I've gone to stages, Eric, to where I read the stage brief, but I didn't even look at the damn stage <laughs> yeah. like at the actual shit I'm shooting off of. Like I have like, oh, fuck, like I don't even know. I've been on a space <laughs> cadet and I'm like, no wonder I'm eating dicks because I'm not I'm not focused on what I've got to do. I'm more worried about, you know. Making everybody fucking laugh on the yeah. damn squad, so, you know. So that's the other thing that I do. I, so I come off the stage, right? I go and I put my brass away. I write down my score. Um, I don't keep track of score. That's the other thing that, that I don't I don't keep track of score. I don't know how many points I'm down. People go, how are you doing today? I'm like, I don't know. Like, having you been writing down your score? I've been writing it down, but that doesn't mean I'm adding it up. I just. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just write it down. That's it. it, 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 it it's not going to influence you in any way. It's done, right? Yeah. If you drop three points on the stage or you bomb the stage, it doesn't matter. That's my point. That's back to it doesn't matter. Write down your score. Go to the next stage. That stage is done. Once it's you write sta- down the it's score. stage one every time. Every stage is stage one. Well, no. You know? Once you write down the score, that stage is done. Right. I flip the page or I go to the next the next stage and I read. Okay, okay. I'm going to need uh, 10 rounds. Okay. I load my mag. As I'm putting away my brass, I load my mag. Okay, that one I need ten rounds. Okay, oh, this one I need two mags. Okay, let me get my other mag. You know, and I put the other one in my pocket. You know what I mean? I have a, a holder for one, and the other one goes in the pocket, right? And then it's like, okay, this is gonna be. And then I get my dope, I write it down, right? And uh, and one thing that I, I have not been doing is I don't get my wind. You know, for example, I'm like, oh, okay, I held point four in that one, and then the next stage I go and pretty much everybody tells you what to hold, right? And I, I started thinking after this last match, and I'm like, you know, that's easy, but I'm not learning anything. I need to go and and come up with that on my own. I yep. just need to do in that way, because uh, obviously they're trying to help you, but sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we're all shooting. How many how many calibers are in a PRS yeah. match? Who knows if someone's got a two tenths to the left zero exactly. on purpose? Uh, you know. So so that's one thing that I started thinking. I'm like, you know, I'm not even getting my own wind. I, you know, it's and it, that's that's the easiest trap to fall into at PRS. I'm like, oh, four tenths. Okay, I'll hold four, and everybody just holds four tenths, right? I agree. And then yeah. some guys are gonna eat a lot of dick, and some guys are gonna hammer it, and 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 it's just. You need to get your own wind. You know what I mean? Or at least attempt to. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and another thing about that is is getting instead of getting corrections, is getting mile an hour. Like I shot for a five mile an hour wind there. Right. Uh, like a full value for you know, because everyone should know, I guess, like in PRS at least, what mile an hour gun they have, you know, where for whatever distance, you know, hey, I've got a five mile an hour gun. That means that, you know, at a thousand yards that's half a mil, you know what I'm saying, right, for five right. mile an hour. So that's uh, – or excuse me, that's a mil. Um, and everyone should know that that way because it doesn't matter if you're shooting 308 and right. I'm shooting six six Creedmoor or, you know, whatever. If you tell me it's for – if I'm listening and relying on you, 
If you say it's a four mile an hour wind, that's going to be the same for me. Now our corrections are going to be different, but you get what I'm saying. That's yeah. the way to to be giving helping people. Hey, look, this I held for a five mile an hour wind. It was too much wind. So you know? for example, like uh, at Reveille Peak, and and that's what I'm saying. This is where I came up with the like I need to go and get my own damn wind, right? Because mm-hmm. what happened is, um, the first stage I shoot and I'm like. Okay, that's a big target. It ain't, you know, it's an, it was a nipsick of like 500 yards, you know. I'm like, oh, that's easy. So I missed two shots right. And I go, oh, my wind is just off. There's no way I missed, you know, due to wind. So I moved my windage left, right, and I reset it, even though I had checked it. And it was yeah. dead on at 100. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change it. There's no way, you know. But see, I never took a wind reading or anything. I just, I just in my head, I'm like, there's no way it's that much wind. So I changed it. Uh, long story short, the whole freaking weekend, everybody's giving me wind holds, and I'm freaking missing the first couple of shots, right? And then towards the end, I'm like, okay, everybody's holding like 0.5, and I'm holding 0.8. And then I started paying attention. Then the next stage, they'll be like. Well, that's a 0.8 hold, and I'm having to hold like 1.1, and I'm like, I'm three tenths off. And of course, this is day two, right? I'm I've right. done points like crazy all day. Yeah, it'd be nice you to realize this, you know, stage well, that, two. And stage the reason three. I didn't realize that is because I'm not getting my own wind. It would have right. been very obvious immediately, like, hey, you know what? I've been off on my wind every stage. You know what I mean? But I didn't, it, you know, not only did it cost me points, it cost Ryan Hay points, too, because he asked me, well, <laughs> what was you holding the last one? I said, 0.4. And he's like, OK. So he goes over there and dumps like five into the dirt, which he should have only dumped one. So that's on him. But because <laughs> there was a very big burn behind it. So but the point is, not only did it cost me points, it cost him points, too, because uh, he asked me what I was holding, and I, I was honest with him. I had just hit at 0.4, so I told him 0.4 because I was the first one on that stage, and he was going behind me, and he dropped the full points. And when he got done, he goes, man, it was straight up. I'm like, not for me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Maybe it changed. And I just said, well, maybe the wind changed. You know? He actually said it was 0.1, which I don't know how the hell he does that because that target. <laughs> if I'm going to hold 0.1, I'm just going to hold center. You know what center, I mean? But yeah. the point is it cost him points too. And um, that was just back to me not getting my own windage. I need to go and get my own wind and just kind of do things on my own because otherwise you're never going to learn. And that's I realized that I'm, I'm like, I'm not learning anything here by asking everybody else for the wind hold, you know. Yeah, you might become a better trigger puller, but you won't become a better shooter that way. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm a – and see, that's the thing. Like, like, I'm a good trigger puller. There's no doubt. And I know that because every time they give me a prone stage, like I do great, <laughs> you know, right. but uh, but it's like I was always dumping that one or two shots just because I my stuff was off and it was off because I never got the wind. Uh, had I gotten the wind on that one stage, I would have realized, oh, crap, there is that much wind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you go back and re- reconfirm your zero after the match? So what I did is uh, about three three stages before the whole thing was over, uh, there was about three shooters standing. They're like, dude, your stuff is off. And I'm like, man, I guess so. So I moved it three tenths left. And then uh, when I came home, I shot and it was dead center. At three, you know, after the three, so I'm like, yep, I was point three right the whole freaking weekend, you know. So yeah, I confirmed afterwards, but uh, that's back to the not being. I, I, I mean, I checked it before I left, and I should have just been confident in my stuff. 
But I just, you just have to trust your gear. And I was just, I was like, there's no way it's that much wind, you know. So I moved it. And, you know, I should I should know better. But, you know, that's back to the the mental fuck ups, you know. It's like, oh, well, you know, there's there's no way I missed that big target. It's got to be the gun. You know, you automatically start blaming the gear. At least I do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, that actually is a good uh, segue into what I was going to bring up about Mirage. And I've told this story on this podcast uh, once or twice uh, in talking to different people about it. Um, but uh, one uh, match up in another match up in Virginia. Uh, it was a long range stage. Now, mind you, my very first stage of the day was uh and this is obviously first thing in the morning. So, so hang on, I'm gonna, I'm dry right now. Let me, let me go get another beer right quick. And yes, go get I'll be beer. right back. All right. Yeah, everybody knows uh, probably if you've listened to the episodes, you've, uh, you know what stage and situation I'm talking about is where the found out that my mirage was the reason why I was half a mil high on a long range stage. Uh, we'll, we'll get his opinion on it because I'm going. I would love if there isn't. If there's a science to figuring out the mirage changing your point of aim, point of impact, then I want to know it, obviously, because it's bitten me more than once. Um, and uh, I know you guys want to hear that, too. So that's what I'm that's what I'm going to get to. Uh, just in the meantime, I'm again sitting in another chair. If y'all watch my live video, I did. When I first started, uh, I was like 10 minutes in and my fucking chair broke and I fell to the damn floor, which is hilarious. And I'm so glad that it happened while on camera because that was fucking gold. Uh, but um, in another chair just like it, it's made in like 1901 probably. But it's, uh, I don't know if you can hear it. It's Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. hope it don't fall now. But... All right, I'm back. You've been talking the whole time? Yeah, I was yeah, I was talking about some other stuff. So All right, Mirage, sorry. Yep. So my very first stage of the morning mm-hmm. was a long range stage. Uh, I think targets out to like nine fifty. And I think I dropped one. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So man, the dasher's hammering. Go to the next stage, it's uh, who cares? It doesn't matter what the next stage was. It wasn't a long range stage, so it was probably four fifty five, six hundred yards, not long. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Then the so my third stage was another long range stage, prone targets out to I think eleven hundred. Okay. And starting out at nine hundred, and I fucking zeroed it. Uh huh. And I'm prone. And I'm like, what? I saw nothing. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the hell was going on. And then the RO was like, dude, you were literally half a mil high the entire way. Your wind was perfect. You were half a mil high on everything. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't know if my barrel sped up somehow, mm-hmm. which, I mean, mm-hmm. the barrel was, had plenty of rounds on it. So it wasn't like it was a new barrel, but... I was like, I don't know, my scope's off or whatever. So I started like, okay, what did I hold there? And let's say if it was 
you know, 7.8. I was like, all right, so how fast do I need to speed my shit up to give me 7.3? Right. To, for it to come back to what would have been zero if I was a half a mil high. So I did all that. Thank God that that was my last long range stage of the day. And uh-huh. everything everything after that was, I didn't really see a problem with it anymore because everything was too close for it to be that big a difference via velocity. But um, I was just blown away what happened. Well, a friend of mine, he, uh, I was talking to him after the match and he was like, dude, the same shit happened to me on that stage. And then I thought my shit was off and I went after the match and asked if I could go back to that stage and shot my original dope again. He said, I center punched it the whole way out. He said it was the Mirage had thrown obviously both of us off that high because I didn't change anything. I didn't, didn't get any other misses throughout the day because, you know, he said, but it was at a different point in the day. The Mirage was heavy and high. The sun was high. And I mean, I imagine it was about 11 o'clock, 10 10 to 11 o'clock by the time I shot it. Mm -hmm. And he said that, you know, it was late in the afternoon. The Mirage was non-existent. And then he center punched every target on the way out. Now, what do you do? Because being an F-class shooter, you're not other than maybe 600 yards. You're not shooting a whole lot of close stuff. What are you guys doing to to help combat that point of aim, point of impact shift in Mirage? So more than likely, the Mirage was going straight up. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah, the only time. Right. That's the only time. Uh, I mean, half a mil is extreme, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that's I, I, I've noticed that if the Mirage is boiling, what it's doing is lifting the image, right? The target's in the yeah. same place. And that's sure. one of the tests that I'm planning on doing on my channel because I'm what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to fit up a, a GoPro or something behind the scope and set up the rifle to where it doesn't move and then just keep track of it for hopefully all day to see how the crosshairs move because we know the targets are moving the guns not moving it's just the mirage and, and the your aim point are right. is moving <clears throat> correct not nothing else right uh all I can think of is you probably had Mirage boiling to the point that, you know. It wasn't a lot of wind at all. Right, so. yeah. It, when it's windy, the, the gun flattens out. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. that, that Mirage just flattens out. And uh, it's it just does some crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, half a mil sounds extreme. But I've seen it go like, I don't know, half MOA, maybe a little more. No, it's happened to me. You know, it's like the the mirage will start boiling, and you're like, "Oh right, the wind died. I'm gonna just hammer down and get a bunch of points." You know, and fuck high nine, like motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, (laughs) well, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like it's. I've never to this day I have not learned how to do that because it's it's it seems like it's not consistent. You know. Yeah, they, yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to find somebody that may have some type of rule of thumb or, or scientific, you know, whatever of like, hey, when this is happening, you need to do this or take this much off or this. And it yeah. seems that nobody's got that, you know, because I guess it's not an exact science, you know. Right. It, it's it's yeah, because it see Mirage changes based on your scope setup. For example, what you were looking at. And so I don't know. Let's just say you had your scope at 20 power, mm-hmm. and then that guy be behind you 
has his at 15. You guys are looking at a totally different thing already. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. even though the, the conditions are the same, you guys are lo- looking at two different things. And I We're think that's seeing part, two different things. Yeah. That's part of the reason that that it's it's really not there's nothing out there that I can think of uh, because it's it's all about what you're seeing. You know, it's it's hard, man. It's the only uh, thing I've heard rule of thumb again from Keith Baker's. He told a friend of mine that he's about this because they were combating. You remember that uh, stage I told you about that he shot the big target. Right. right. Uh, Well, that that stage, a lot of people were having problems with Mirage and hitting high, but not being able to see it because of the shadow, uh, me included. Um, And he said, if the sun's up, bullets up. Right. So well, they, they, say, they call it if you're seeing that problem. Sun's up, uh, sights up, you know. Um, yeah, and that's another thing that I've never – because that was meant for open sights, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the scope – like I said, back, the scopes have changed everything. And, like, all those rules don't apply for everybody. And that's just something that um, it, it's it's hard. <laughs> and, you know, in F-Class – the beauty is we have ciders, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, it is nice. <laughs> so, for example, I take a, you know, I say if we have unlimited ciders, I save the ciders. For example, if it's a cloudy day and it's sunny and switching, you know, I'll take some ciders while the sun's out, and then I wait for a cloud, and then I take a few more ciders, and and sometimes nothing changes, sometimes it does change. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, I I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna be able to help you with this one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. well, I, it's a tall order, you know. It's, yeah, it's I, I can order. I can tell you though about Mirage. You being in oh. Texas, y'all got a fuck ton oh, of it. Oh yeah, especially I should I should over in Bayou, which is south of Houston. Fuck, it's Mirage for days, you know. But uh, Mirage is one of those things that back to the it looks different. For example. Uh, it's just like wind, right? It's like currents of air, right? And what you're seeing is the moisture in the air, right? So it's literally like currents of water, you know? Um, so what happens is you and I both lay down to shoot, right? And you said it's 1,100 uh, 1, yards. And if your scope is set up or focused at 900 yards and mine is focused at 700 we may be looking at totally different mirage because mm-hmm. the mirage moves like whichever way. You know what I mean? So mirage is one of those things that you have to be extremely careful. So just just try it next time you have a, a, a day with heavy mirage. Just lay down behind a gun and, and focus on the target. Let's just say a thousand yards and start racking your focus back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you're going to see the mirage go one way. And just keep going on that focus, and then you might see it boil, and then you'll see it go the other way. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. it's just one of those things. Is, is that is that what it's doing in between you and the target? And yeah, the that's what it is. What it's doing? That's what it's doing. And uh, so in F class, see, I'm I'm about to give a big secret away. So here it goes. In F class, what I do. Is I literally don't pay attention to anything when I lay down. That's <laughs> crazy as it sounds. Unless it's really windy, but if it's pretty calm, it's just mirage. I'll take some. I take some a center shot, okay. And let's just say it goes to the right. Then I rack my focus until the mirage matches what the bullet just did on target. You know what okay. I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. So to where you see the mirage heard, that I've makes it a, go that way. I've heard a million people, and I just kind of smile when they say that because I know what's happening, but uh, they're not asking me. Kind of like you're asking me, what made it do that? They don't ask me. They're just telling me, and I'm like, okay. Like, all you have to do is ask, and I will tell you, but they don't ask, so I don't tell them. Uh, but they, they're like, oh, man, uh, you know, uh, the mirage was going left, and the bullet went right. And I'm like, man, you know, I I know they were looking at the wrong mirage, right? And that's why that happened. So, again, I used to target. I, I work it backwards, you know. They In their head, they're like, oh, the mirage is going right. The bullet's going to go right. And then when it goes left, they're lost. You know what I mean? That's happened to me. It's yeah, in their exactly head. And their head is like, well, I'm looking at the mirage. Well, yeah, you're looking at the wrong mirage. That's what's happening. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So rack that focus, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And then once you see it hit, then work it backwards from there. You know, and then just get a mirage that matches what you just saw on target and rock and roll, you know. Uh, that's one of the most basic things that I see shooters get wrong. For example, I ask them, um, when they read flags, I say, which flag do you look at? They're like, well, it depends. I'm like, correct. It depends. And I'm like, when you read Mirage, how you set up Mirage? And they're like, well, I focus on the target and I back off the knob quarter, you know, the focus knob quarter turn. Like every time? Yeah, every time. Well, it's like looking at the same flag every time, correct? Which is, yeah. it would be stupid. Right. But in the, when it comes to Mirage, that's what they do every time. And I'm like, well, you're fucking yourself because you are you have the entire thousand yard field, but yet you always focus like a 800 always right. regardless well of course sometimes you're going to get it right sometimes you're not that's why it's not consistent so don't do that you know you have to you have to find what you need and use it right you know what i mean you just yeah. gotta have to find it and don't don't show up thinking oh you know i'm gonna set my focus at 800 here's another one here's a really good one for you I've heard shooters go, well, I set my scope at, I don't know, for example, uh, and this probably doesn't apply to PRS, but um, for example, they're like, well, I focus my, instead of aiming right at the target with my spotting scope, I turn it like, I don't know, and I look at the berm over there or whatever, because that's where I can see the mirage, right? And I'm like, well, what good is that? They're like, well, I can see it better. I said, yeah, but it doesn't apply to you anymore. Once yeah. you turn the scope at a different at a different path than the rifle scope. Yeah, then you're looking at something completely unrelated to what you're trying to figure out. So you're looking at the same wind, but you're looking at different value, right? So yep. let's just let's just say it's a straight. Let's just go to an extreme, right? And say that you're 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 dealing with a headwind. The minute you turn the scope to the right, if you were to turn it at 90 degrees, now you're dealing with a full value wind. Even though whenever you shoot, you're only you're not shooting a, a full you're shooting no wind, right? Because right, yeah. it's 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 a perfect headwind. So don't <laughs> don't turn your scope or your spotting scope at a different line of sight than your rifle scope, because now you're looking at you're you're accounting for a totally different wind condition. Uh, so 
you got to be careful with that. And and I, I've told some guys that, and they're like, holy shit, I didn't think about that. I'm like, yeah, you know, your 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 scope, it's saying you know half value wind or whatever. But then when you look at when you go to shoot, it's it's a it's a headwind, and no wonder you go in freaking right every time, you know. Well, even if you're look, wind calling is such an art in and of itself. Even if you were like absolutely cold-blooded with it and you are that you nail perfectly what the wind mile per hour is via the mirage well that doesn't mean a hill of beans if you're looking at it looking at wind at a different angle which you're talking about so i i would have never even thought to do that like to well, look so, at, so, at a wrong so, angle so that's a convenient so so for example like some of the freaking master wind readers like emo press like in them guys uh, they will actually turn the scope and turn it until the mirage boils, and that's the direction of the mirage, right? So, for example, if you're looking straight ahead and the mirage is going across, if you start turning your scope, wherever it boils, that's the direction. It's, well, but what he's doing is just trying to find the direction of the wind, right, not necessarily get a wind call. Correct, but see, he uses that to get a wind call, right? But but that's that's a different technique, you know. And I'm just talking about the people that that will turn the scope and for and that, they just do not correlate one with the other. They think it's one to one relationship, and it's not. It's what it's I'm not. saying. So you right. have to kind of like like my uh, my friend Bob Siebold goes, pull your head out of your ass. It's a lot easier to see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've heard that a time or two in my life. <laughs> you know. And uh, I had to be told that a time or two in my life. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a lot of things that that uh, that you have to. There's just so much to this game, man. That's what keeps it interesting. You know, just so yeah. much that, that you have to, uh, you know, you, you might be an expert at one thing and then just totally, totally suck at another thing. And, and you just have to put so many things together. And, uh, you know, part of the thing that like when I go to a PRS match, like the one thing that I know I don't have to worry about is my hand loads or my rifle. I know that thing's hammering. So that's yeah. that's peace uh, peace of mind for me, right? Sure. But there's there's a lot of other things that are just in well, the mix. a lot of things that aren't in your control. And so having to learn those things to get that basically a best guess. Right. Is what keeps kind of like you said keeps it interesting. Right, and, and it's it's all about learning, right? So for example, I'll give you a quick story. I don't know how quick it is, but I'll tell you the story. So about a week ago, actually today's Thursday, last Friday, last week, uh, Matt from Demolition Ranch, he challenged me to a pistol shoot. I was gonna bring this up. All right. So go. I'm glad you are. Go ahead. And uh, so he challenged me to a pistol shoot. You know, I was over there at his range and. Uh, Somehow pistols came up and he's like, well, I can beat you at pistol. I could smoke you. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. Let's make a video about it. Right. He's like, all right. And uh, immediately I'm like, okay, see, you have to know your limitations. Right. So I immediately yeah. I go, dude, I suck at pistol. Like he's going to smoke me. Right. So obviously I don't want him to smoke me. Right. So I'm like, all right, what to do, what to do? Well, first, I need to practice, right? So I called a few friends. I'm like, dude, I need some 9mm. And like, I don't have any, I don't have any. And I found a friend of mine. He's like, I'll load you some. And uh, then I'm like, okay, back to the software, right? I'm like, I can go and dump 8,000 rounds at a target. But if I don't know how to hold the pistol, I'm just going to get used to holding the pistol the wrong way. That's all that's going to happen. You know what learn I mean? A bad ha learn a bad habit. Correct. I'm just going to learn a bad habit, and it's going to be extremely hard to break it, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I just happen to have some good contacts. So I I, I got in touch with Jerry Michalek, right? And right, I said you couldn't pick a better one to do a <laughs> right. Well, yeah. in the world. And I'm like <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna start there, right? Well, it just so happened that he was shooting the Texas uh, um, Three Gun Championship at Reveille Peak, which I had just been there shooting the PRS match, right? Yeah. And he's like, well, come up. I'll, I'll spend some time with you after the match. I'm like, all right. So I haul ass over there. And Jerry's like, all right, let me see how you hold the gun. He's like, okay, you got this hand. You got to twist it here. You got to do this. And, you know, your finger over here is interacting with the frame, you know, and whenever you shoot, it's going to interact with the frame. So don't do that. And it, so anyway, so I'm holding the gun now and it just felt weird as hell because I'd been holding it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he shows, <laughs> right. So he shows me how to hold it. It just feels weird. And he's like, hang on to it. Like it's a cobra that's going to come around and bite you. Like hold this shit out of it. I'm like, Oh man, my freaking hand is getting tired. He goes, then you, that means you're doing it right. I'm like, okay. And, uh, so I just did everything he told me. Right. And, uh, you know, I shot a few shots while he was there, and he's watching me shoot and everything. He's like, all right, move this hand, move your feet, you know, little things like that, right? And I spent 30 minutes with him, and I videoed all that. When I got back home, I watched the video again. I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on this. And then I go practice, and I use everything he told me. And then I come home and watch the video again. See, back to that software, right? I'm having to upgrade my software as, as well as sure. hardware. Uh, long story short, I mean, I, I got drastically better really, really fast. Like, I was amazing myself at how good I got a pistol. Just, But, see, I had to keep reinforcing what he told me. I'm like, okay, okay. He told me to do this. Oh, I'm doing it wrong. Okay. He said, do not put any weight on your heels. If you feel weight on your heels, you're doing it wrong. Okay, okay. And then I'd be shooting. I'm like, oh, wait, wait. There's weight on my heels. Okay, just lean forward a little bit. And, yeah, and, the recoil's uh, pushing you back. Right. You know. And uh, so, you know, I just kept thinking that, kept thinking that, kept thinking. And then I just kept doing over and over and over. And, you know, I shot about 2,000 rounds <laughs> this week. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you know. You know, you know what, some, what, what some people would do for those 2,000 rounds you just shot in this time of ammo shortage? <laughs> oh, I know. But, you know, I just went and I'm like, and see, that's the thing. I, I know the path, right? I know how to get good. And, and, and I think we discussed this last time. I'm like. I could be good at PRS. I just, I just, I just know what it takes, right? And I'm like, I just don't have the time. Plus, I don't want to. PRS is kind of my fun shooting. You don't want to taint your fun shooting to where it it messes it, you know, dips into where you know your pressure shooting in F. Right, right. So, so you know, I could be good at PRS, but I know it's going to take a lot of work. And I'm like, "Ah, I just, you know. But anyway, with this pistol thing, I'm like, I got to get really good, really fast, right? So I got really good, really fast. Not Jerry Mitchell like good, but I got pretty damn good. To the point that Jerry's like, wow, okay, that's pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah you're amazing compared to what you where you started exactly. you know, doing it. Yeah, exactly. And, that's all uh, you can ask for. You know? Right, and that was the plan, right? And and so, But this whole week, all I thought about was pistol. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm like, you know, I had a I, – I put a deadline on myself – and uh, and we shot today. We shot this morning. You know what I mean? So I just well, you knew that, and, you and Matt. Yeah. So you're gonna have to watch the video to find out what happened. Uh, oh yeah. But so we shot this morning, right? So I just knew I'm like, okay, it's only a week, right? This is just a fun competition, right? Just, but it was. It's a, I'm like, it's only a week. I can I can hammer down for a week, and I did, right? And uh, 
but you know the point is man you can master just about anything if you find if you have the right path and that's something that i've tried to explain to my daughter right because she plays soccer and i go you keep i mean she's out there running every day and doing drills and all that and, and i'm like you're not i say you never watch a, a game i say you don't ever watch professional players oh no i'm too busy running i said that's not gonna get you I mean, it's gonna get you places, but not. You gotta watch the pros play. You gotta have. You gotta gotta do both, really. Right. You need well, it's to do the, the software. Pra- right. Yeah. You gotta do the software, right? And I said, you gotta watch the pros play. I said, I said, whenever you watch a game, for you, it's gonna be totally different, because you're gonna be paying attention to the person that plays the position that you play, and then you're gonna say, okay, oh, I see what he does. Okay, the, that guy. Okay, okay, I see what he's doing. He's dropping down to the fifty and. You know, whatever. I said, whatever you may be looking at. I said, but you're picking up things. I said, then I said, you're going to find a player that you're going to say, you know what? I like how he plays or she plays, whatever. I said, then you're going to start modeling your game after that person. For example, like I shoot pool, uh, you know, just kind of, I shoot pool, right? But I got really, really good just watching other players play, you know? And, uh, uh, Errol Strickland is my favorite. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's 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 a. Uh... Anyway, so Errol Strickland, five-time world champion, just crazy good, right? And I watch him play, and I play, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And the point is, uh, when I play with other people, they go, "You man, you play like Earl Strickland." You know what I mean? It's crazy because I you watch. You don't even tell him that, that he's right. your favorite pool player, but right. it's obvious that he is you, you, given you just that you model. To, you, just have, you just model your game after a certain player, and, yeah, you, you're you not going to get as good as them immediately or, or even ever, but you're going to kind of follow their style. You don't See, you don't have to make decisions anymore. Every time – if you're watching a pro play or, or do whatever – then you start to learn, okay, in that situation, this happens. In that situation, that happens. Okay, got it. And you don't even think about it, but in your head, it, you're logging all that information. You know what I mean? And then yeah. whenever you're out in the field, then you're like, oh, yeah, I saw so-and-so do this. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen Earl Strickland shoot pool, and and I'm like, what the hell is he going to do now? Like, he has literally no way out. And then he'll do something, and I'm, and I'm like, I didn't think, I didn't realize you could do that. Got it. Yeah, like Massey around fucking four different balls to hit. You know? No, no. See that that's a whole different level because that that's that's something that you can't. But no, I'm talking about for example, like for example, he 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 was shooting a ball into a corner pocket, right? And the other ball was in the other corner pocket on the same side of the table, right? And I'm like, how the hell is he gonna get from there to here? Because he's straight in. So what he did is he drew the ball all the way. He drew the ball from here. And he he drew the ball three rails to set up for the other shot. And I'm like, I never thought to, to draw the ball three rails. Like, never crossed my – like, and then when I saw him do that, I'm like, oh, shit. I got to go try that. Yeah, so I went, into my, yeah, yeah. I went into my table and I tried. I'm like, holy shit, that works. Like, you know, but it's just one of those things that I never – it never would have crossed my mind until I saw him do that. And then I'm like, oh, that's possible. You know, so I just opened a whole nother chapter. You know what I mean? Yeah, you and, put another tool in your tool bag. Right, you know? and, and that one tool just opens 
so many more more possibilities right it's 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 not just that one tool it just it's it's like getting a freaking drill right <laughs> you get a drill and all of a sudden you but, can drill holes but, you can drive screws you can put do 20 whatever. bits in it and you got exactly. different different jobs you know yeah. what i mean so well you could do the same thing that he did for that one shot use that same concept to fit in other situations as well I mean, right yeah, so i get so, exactly what you mean so for example like in prs for me you know i had when i started i'm like okay I'm going to get a fortune cookie and I'm going to get a pump pillow and then I'm going to get a small fortune cookie. And then, you know, and I had a shitload of bags in my backpack. And then I'm like, that's too many freaking options. I One day I decided that's too many options. I'm just going to carry a large fortune cookie and that's it. That's it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I saw, I saw like, I think it was Brousseau or somebody and all they, all they have is one freaking bag. And that some bitch can fucking shoot anything with it. Because Matt Brousseau like, is probably one of the best has done it. And yeah, I'm like, and amazing. I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I'm just freaking, you know, I'm just, this, all these other bags are a crutch because for one, it's too many options, right? I'm not good enough to be able to make the right decision. Yeah. But if I only have one bag, you know, then that's it. And you just going to have to make work. it work. Right. And, uh, and I just found that having too many bags just for me anyway, was more of a, of a crutch than anything so i'm like yeah, that's I, it. I get that yeah i totally get that I, like, and i i started to do the same thing with bags i i got my my mini fortune cookie is my if if there was a rule to where you only carry one bag that's the one bag i carry is my, my wax canvas mini fortune cookie i absolutely love it and when it's anything anything where it's just straight positional put this thing onto this thing Put a bag onto this thing. That's my go-to bag. Right. I have a full-size, uh, the uh, Go Light Fill Game Changer simply for when it's times. I have more than one bag, but they all have their times when they're used, and I know it because if it's any question, if I'm gonna have height clearance issues, and I've done that in a match shooting through a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I clipped the rubber seal of the window that was out of it, but the rubber seal was still right. there. Because I used my mini my mini fortune cookie and I did not have the clearance and I and honestly I didn't even know I was hitting it I was like why did my bullet go like eight tenths that way yeah. I had no idea I clipped it and they told me like dude you shot that fucking rubber <laughs> thing I said are you fucking serious so I was like all right well that answers that so that's really the only time that the big for, the big uh, game changer comes out and it's the biggest light feel so it's not super heavy and stuff like that but. The man with one bag that can make it work for everything, I mean, knows that bag and well, so limitation of capabilities. That's back to, for me, mentally, I'm like, I, I cannot be sitting here making all kinds of decisions. If I only have one bag, that's it, right? There's no decision to make. Correct. I just grab that one bag. And, and the only decision I have to make now is bipod or bag, you know? And uh, and uh, there was a match uh, that I shot. It was a club match, but uh, we had to shoot off of some rocks and... Uh, uh, I'm like, man, I'm going to try to make the bipod work. And anyway, long story short, I'm like, well, dang it. I guess I'm going to have to shoot off of a bag. You know, and it was a tiny target, like 500 yards. It was like a three inch or something, you know. And I'm like, I'm going to have to shoot off of the bag because I couldn't get the bipod to work. And then I hit the summits every time. And I'm like, and it's back to kind of like the Earl Strickland thing. I'm like, I didn't realize I could do that. Okay, good. Now I'm confident. So next time 
this appears, Straight I know I could just bag. throw a bag and, and, and there's no decision making, right? So you just get yeah. really, really good. Now, don't get me wrong. If I need a small bag, I, usually somebody has one I can borrow. If, if I yeah, That's the beauty of it. it in this sport in general yeah. is that everybody is like throwing equipment at you. Hey, use yeah. this if you want to use that. It, that's it, the, it, if the I absolutely are. need it, I, I, can, I can borrow a bag. But I just had to just decide, like, again, back to that mental clutter. I'm like, uh, okay, there's too many damn decisions to make. You know, and, uh, you know, I've been shooting a six by 47 Lapua and this year I decided to build a six BR just cause they're fun. Um, and even that in itself has created a problem. Cause now it's like, what, what, what should I take the six BR or the 47? And I'm like, Oh, fucking idiot. You should have just keep one. I, I hate having more than one cartridge because yeah. <laughs> more than anything, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, uh, ADD man, it's like uh, it's like I, I give myself. My listeners know that very well about me. I just give myself one option and that's it, you know. So I had I had a PRS guy come over here one time and he's like, man, can I look in your safe? I'm like, sure. And I opened the safe and there was two PRS rifles, two F class rifles, and they're identical to each other, and a shotgun, a pump shotgun, and uh, my daughter's hunting rifle. He's like, that's it. I'm like, well, that's all I need. Like, I need a F-class rifle, and I need a backup F-class rifle, and I need an F- a PRS rifle and a backup PRS rifle. <laughs> and of course, you gotta have a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody needs to have a shotgun. And oh, and I had my, I had an AR, and I said, that's it. And he's like, dude, I got like six or seven rifles. I'm like, I said, what match do you go to that they let you shoot them all? He goes, I know, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm and, guilty of it too. And so anyway, uh, so just you got to simplify your life. You know what I mean? Uh, just got to simplify everything. And that's uh, even with reloading, you know, I I hate reloading for multiple. I, I just hate it, you know. Yeah. You know, the, the reason I built the BR is because it's also six millimeter. Uh and I, I moved to the 750, and you know it's just everything similar, you know, same powder, same. But it, it, I still, I love the little cartridge, but I'm still not super happy about it. So now what I'm gonna have to do is I'm gonna just load up like 2,000 rounds, just enough to burn up a whole barrel, so I can just do it once, and and that's it, you know. I just hate having to move back and forth and make decisions. So you're, so you're thinking. You're going to be going sticking with like when you do that, you're going to be sticking with the 47 and not the BR. So I've decided the BR is for club matches and practice, and the 47 is for two day matches. That's that's the last decision I made. Unless the 40, unless the BR is shooting better. See, that's when it shit starts to. And if you don't have that other one, there's nothing to shoot better than. You right. have to just make that work. So well, let me ask you this: my, What, my, my what are you liking about the 47? Great. I mean, let's say they're both they're both shooting equally well. What do well, you like about the 47 over the BR, or the BR over the 47? Well, the 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 BR obviously is freaking no recoil, and it's, I'm not saying the 47 has a recoil, right? But it's when you compare the two. You know, yeah, but, uh, right. But what I, the 47 is obviously a better cartridge for a better overall cartridge, right? Because if it's far windy, whatever, the 47 is going to do better, right? Sure. The 6BR is just, it's just no recall. You know what I mean? It, it's just, uh, for example, if you're going to go squirrel hunting, you could take a center fire. Yeah. But no, you're going to reach for that. That rimfire, right? 
because we'll it's you too. exactly you know and that's kind of the same thing uh if you only had one you'd be like well, i'll get a center fire you know but uh the 6pr the reason i built it is because you know they have factory ammo i i shoot lapua factory ammo the first go around and that was meant to be my club match rifle like if i don't have time to load uh, i would just load that one or i just grab that one shoot factory ammo but man like it tends to be my my uh default button is i gotta reload for everything so once i had it i'm like i'm gonna reload and that's what i did you know and once i started reloading for it it's just it's just it's just a pain in the ass to have to reload for two different at least to me it is you know what i mean yeah but it's just it's just such a fun little cartridge you know but uh yeah the the 47 is my two-day match I, and and see now I'm thinking, man, maybe I should just go to the six five forty seven, <laughs> and and just scratch everything and just go to the six five forty seven. Um, it's not that much more recoil, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but, I mean the six five forty seven is what a lot of people say that everyone should have at least one six five forty seven either rifle or barrel in their in their safe. Right, because it's a it's a literally Ray Charles could load for it and and shoot and it'd be one and, hole. Yeah, and the six five by forty seven would 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 kind of do what the BR does, where I can get factory Lapua ammo, right? Mm-hmm. And but see, it's god damn it, it's it's that one thing that, <laughs> that we all do, right? It's it's we we are we enjoy shooting different cartridges. And even though I'm at a point where I know for a fact that you should just pick one and stick with it. I know that I still always wondering, you know, like three days ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and I'm like, Hey, do you have a seven by 47 reamer? You know, seven millimeter by, mm-hmm. you know, just take a six, five 47, neck it up to seven millimeter because I'm like, I could take my F class barrels. They're 32 inches long. I could chop them, you know, take out the back end six inches and, re- and you know, rechamber them. And then I could, now I have PRS barrels, but it'd have to be seven millimeter, right? Right. So I'm like, oh, a seven by 47 would work well. But, you know, that's a whole another can of worms, you know? Yeah, man, talk about a can of worms. Like, I don't, is that, do you know anybody who has a seven by 47? Oh, yeah. Uh, the silhouette guys use them all the time. Really? Yeah, I think it'd be yeah. a kick-ass little hunting cartridge. Oh yeah, but fuck yeah, dude. But you know, the, the reason I'm like, man, I'm, I could just use my barrels, you know, my F-class barrels, because I mean, the barrel life is crazy on those things, you know. I can imagine. But I'm like, no, no, stick with what you have, you know. And then, you know, it's back to the, well, what am I gonna do with the recoil, you know? And and it's back to, I should just stick with the 47, the six, and just be done with it, you know. <laughs> do you do you feel as though you have any of the woes that so many people talk about with this six by forty seven? No, and I'll tell you, you what. Want... So when I first so wait, wait, wait. Sam Burns, I hope you're listening to this. This is for you, Sam, because I buddy of mine, Sam, he's been he's on that GT train and an AI, and I keep trying to tell him, dude, he's always shot six five by forty seven. He's always uh-huh. done it. He shot it well. I said, Sam, you got the fucking brass. Get you a six mil barrel and do six by forty seven and be done with it. 
Yeah. And he's like, ah, well, you know, and I'm so like, well, I'm always going to tell you to do a six by forty-seven, but so, I so, want to expel all the myths about. So this GT thing still baffles me because I'm like, what, what, you know, it's it's this whole like brand new cartridge that's going to save the world, and I'm like, that's like right. I haven't even looked at it that close, like, but I know it's, dude. We have the six forty-seven, we have the 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 XC. You know they're they're very similar, you know. So I don't know what this thing's supposed to do differently, but but I mean, seems like a lot of people flock to it, like oh the GT, and I'm like, we've had the 47 in the in the XC forever. Uh, yeah, but well, anyway, the lure to it, the lure to the GT was uh, dasher like performance in recoil with six by 47 like feeding. That was the whole thing. But the thing is. They, well, why the can't GT you, does you, not feed like a 47. Well, Everybody I know runs either a mag kit and Sam spaces his rounds like he's using <laughs> AI, right? Well, and, well, 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 you know. So, so you know you can get six by 47 feeding with a six by 47, and yep. you can get Dasher Rico if you just load it down. Load it down, exactly. <laughs> load it down to like 2950 and fucking go. Yeah, so I shoot mine at 3000. Right. You know? Yeah. But anyway, back to the 47, you know, uh, when I was going to build this, because I, so in F class, I shot a 6.5 of 47 forever, you know, that was kind of like my, my thing. I, I used to be known for the 6.5 of 47. That was my claim to fame when I started. Um, so I had everything. So when I was going to shoot PRS, I, my first PRS rifle was a 6.5 of 47. But then everybody's like, oh, you need to go to six. You got to And I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about PRS, so I should do what and that's another thing that people need to do. If you're going to go, for example, if I'm going to go shoot P, uh, Venturist, I'm going to build a freaking Dasher or a BRA, you know, because that's what's doing well. If I'm going to go to uh, F-Class, I'm going to build a 284 Winchester or a Shehane. And if I'm going to shoot PRS, I'm like, okay, everybody's shooting 6 millimeters. I'm going to build a 6 millimeter. I'm going to build a 6 by 47 And boom. Oh, no, you don't want to do that. They're finicky. They're in, and I'm like, why are they finicky? Oh, they're finicky. I'm like, they, there's absolutely no reason why they would be finicky. I said, is the XC finicky? No. Is the Dasher finicky? No. Then why is the 47 finicky? You know? So what I did is I called JGS and I said, send me the 6x47 reamer print. They send me the reamer print, right? I neck one, I neck one down. I see the bullet in it and I measure the loaded diameter of the neck. The loaded diameter of the neck is like 270, right? The reamer print was either 272 or 273. I don't remember. The point is it was too tight. Right. And I'm like, well, no wonder people are having issues with this thing. It's too tight, you know? And the freeboard was only like 115 or 120 or 108, something like that, real short. So I called Sarah with her JGS and said, okay, Make me this thing, but I want a 275 neck. I like five to six thousands neck clearance, okay? Even in my F-class rifles, okay? Sure. Screw all that four thousands and three. Uh, screw that. Don't, 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 don't play that game. You're gonna. Oh, that's where your flyers come from. So I spec the 275 with a 150 freeboard because that's what a lot of the Dasher guys are shooting. 150, 135, 150. I said I want 150 because I like. So the farther out you see your bullet, when it goes in that freeboard area, it's going to line up perfectly, right? So your run out doesn't matter. 
you can stick a bullet in there with thirty thousands of run out. Once you chamber it, it's gonna straighten out. So plus you get more case capacity, this, that, and the other, right? So I said, give me one fifty free bore, and boom. I said the so mine is technically a six five. Six. I'm sorry, yeah, it's yeah, a six by six five by forty seven yeah, because I told them. I said the six by forty seven has different body dimensions, and I said I wanted the exact same as a six five by forty seven, uh, but just neck down the neck. That's it. So, because I had six five by forty seven dies, so I just changed the bushing and, you know, but I've never had any issues with that rifle as far as shooting. It shoots amazingly well, and some people that have borrowed my reamer they're like my goodness this thing is like the easiest thing to tune in the world i'm like yeah and you, this is also you, you don't turn the necks for the oh, first hell time no okay never, no. a lot of people do that they'll they'll get their brass I, that, and they know the next problem mind. they know there's a neck tension or, or a, a neck yeah. tightness problem so they turn the brass one time and then they're done like there's not a constant neck turn yeah but you can just get a, a bigger reamer and be done you know why aren't why aren't these reamer companies and gunsmiths why aren't they doing that i mean because you know, you know and back to the that's how it is same same reason people neck size you know what i mean that's just how it is you know? <laughs> and seriously you know what i mean and and, and see it, it's back to the as a shooter right you trust your gunsmith you trust your your uh your uh, reamer manufacturer but they don't they don't know i mean in reality they're like they don't know what they're using for you you order a reamer they're like okay you know what i mean here it goes next. <laughs> it can turn next yeah same reason the, the back to the to the reloading manuals why 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 do they tell you you know how, how many prs shooters do you think load to uh sammy case overall length probably no, nobody nobody Exactly. You know what I mean? But the book tells you to do that. So well, it, that's a liability. That's liability. Well, I understand. But uh, but uh, same thing with, with JGS or, or any reamer manufacturer. If they tell you, hey, you shouldn't do that. And if you don't and you blow yourself up, there you go. They told you not, they told you what to do. But if you tell them, hey, I need I need this. They're like, OK, if you blow yourself up. You, you ordered it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of it is liability. But uh but uh, what about the body dimensions? Like, what if if a six by forty seven? The only difference in theory between the six and the six five is the actual neck. Why are the Raymer prints have a and and dies have a a different body? It's dimension? not. It's not the same thing. Whoever designed the six by forty seven changed the body dimensions. For, see, that's for, for whatever retarded. reason it is. For whatever reason, I don't know. But whoever designed the six by forty-seven changed the body dimensions. And if you buy a six by forty-seven reading die and a six five by forty-seven reading die, they are different size. The six by forty-seven is going to size the brass more than the six five by forty-seven. Yeah. They didn't exactly. do that with the Creedmoor. No, 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 they didn't because it's it's. What a, the fuck is the? I mean, who made that goddamn decision? I don't. It was you know? see, it was a bencher shooter, and see that's the beauty. It can be the beauty or the bad thing, right? Depending on how you look at it, about making your own cartridge, right? It's it's like like the BRA, right? It, that, that's just a, a BR actually improved, right? You know, 40 degree shoulder. Why not 41? Why not 37? It's just 40. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. 
So same thing. Whoever designed the six by forty-seven, they decided that they're going to make the body dimensions smaller. And I think it was a venture shooter, and I don't know why. But to me, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. All right, just change the neck, and that's what I did with mine. Right? Yeah. And and I've never that's had be the that's the ticket. I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, because we know the six by forty-seven. I mean, the six-five works freaking flawlessly. Yeah, everyone. I've never heard of a six-five by forty-seven that didn't fucking shoot. Right. So you, you know? just so I just changed the neck and I said, give me more freeboard and call it a day. You know what I mean? But like I said, I don't know, man. People do things and they try to get cute with with shit, you know. And 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 that's where that's where you know, like oh, you know, I I've heard people go, oh, you know, I changed the body dimensions and it's gonna make it better, and I changed it by and like maybe you know, it's like. <laughs> Fuck, you know, like. Did you hear that, Sam? You need to call JGS and tell them that you want the Eric Cortina six by forty-seven ring. It is. I made it public, so you can get it from them. Boom. Uh, Problem solved. You're not gonna have any issues. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna shoot, you know, with N150 is what I use, Vitavori, and it's gonna tune around twenty. You know, you're gonna have multiple nodes, but the one node that I shoot is around three thousand with a twenty-six inch. He wants to be slow. Like yeah, it's slow. You're gonna be between 2960 to 3000 with a six by 47. Uh, with N150, I get about Varget. He's got like I think he's well, got a five fine. gallon drum of Varget. So a friend of mine just I uh he was shooting my reamer and I think his barrel he finally pulled it off at 2300 rounds. So 2000 easily. You know what I mean? 2000 no problem. Uh, I get 3000 with N150. Oh, wow. And it's, it's like, dude, like, well, you know, what the hell? What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but, I got I got a case of I mean, I've got 24 pounds of M150 sitting over there. Yeah, that's an excellent so, powder. I love yeah. that powder. But uh, anyway, so the point is simplify your life. Give yourself less decisions to make. And uh, you're just going to be better off in the long run, I think. You know? Well, that all ties back into the mental right portion of the the game that we're playing here. Is you know it everything is taken into account on the right. mental side. You don't have yeah. those decisions to make, and and I'm guilty. I've got an AI dude, so I've got fucking barrels on barrels of different calibers. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, uh, that's just yeah, one so, of them. Right? So so like I said, you know, simplify your life. Pick one. You know, it really doesn't matter. People are like, well, what's the best cartridge? It, fuck, it doesn't matter. If you only had one, you know, like what's the best cartridge for hunting? You know, it it, it just all depends, right? But I, I the one think you can, the one you can hit the animal with. Well, the one you have. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, it's uh, it's just one of those things that you just have to simplify life and and at least in F class, it takes. When you go to a new cartridge, it takes at least, I'm going to say at least a full barrel to really figure out what works. And I'm talking about bushings, uh, you know, sometimes the, the, the freaking dies doesn't match properly. Uh, sometimes the matches or the, the die is too long or too short. And, you know, just all these things that can happen that, that you need to work out. And if you had a shitload of different cartridges to deal with, you're never going to pick up on those little things because yeah, you're never going to figure any of them out. Exactly. You just you're just going to have a lot of half-assed rifles. You know what I mean? But yeah. where if you only had one, you have no choice but to fix it or to make it right. You know what I mean? So 
uh, that's one of the things I plan to do on my channel. Uh, uh, you know, because, yeah, you know, it's like, and I get it. People are like, well, yeah, you know, you got all these freaking custom rigs. No wonder they shoot well. And and I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to go and uh, my plan is to buy two Remington 700s and just out of the box, shoot them both, see how they shoot, and then start accurizing one of them. You know, what caliber are you going to go with on those uh, Remington's? I'm thinking, I was going to go 308, but I'm probably going to go 6.5 Creed, just because that's what... Well, they finally got on the fucking, you know, they got with the damn times and made one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as as but, shitty as it may be, at least it's I, the right caliber. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't shot a factory barrel in freaking 13 years or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I want to see what, what, because it's really hard for me to understand people, obviously, that that are shooting factory rifles, right? Because I'm like, well, it's, it's easy, dude. It's just do this, that, do that. But I'm shooting premium barrels, right? So I need to put myself in their shoes. Go get Tikas, man. Go get don't fuck them Remingtons. Get a Tika. Well, again, I don't know what to get in fact. Yeah, get I'm I'm telling you, get Tikas. I've got a Tika right there that's got a factory barrel on it that it's one of my hunting rifles, and I'm still I'm this close from fucking getting it rebarreled <laughs> for a match rifle because I love uh-huh. that action. But it's uh with a factory barrel, they're slow, but they're accurate. And well, I might get I might get that, you know, just just something to so that I can really because uh, I mean, I can like dude, these these premium barrels, like getting half a more is like stupid easy. It almost seems like it doesn't I'm, matter what I'm you throw happy, at it. I'm not happy with that. That's what I'm barrels. saying. And, yeah. and, 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 and a factory rifle, half a more seems like a lot. At least a lot of people are having a hard time getting half a moi and i'm like you know is it really that hard are they really that shitty what's going on here you know what i mean so i need to work on that i'm I'm gonna have to buy one or two just to really see what what people are going through and uh and see if i can work it out you know for well them. like i said my suggestion for you for that project is to go with the tika because at the end of the day hey either with the factory barrel on or when you accurize it and if you end up putting uh when you're done with the project hey cut you a barrel put on it, you've got a nice action to go along with it where you're stuck with a fucking Remington. The well, Remington. the reason I wanted a Remington is because then I can just throw it in one of my chassis. I can throw my, my That's true. every, yeah. you know, I don't have to go and buy a, a chassis. You know, I can just take one of my right. rifles out of a chassis, put it in there. But the point is, uh, I, I'm going to put myself in that situation and see what it's like. Cause you right. know what I mean? I mean, a lot of yeah, people absolutely. are dealing with that and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm, it's real simple for me to say, well, just do this, do that. It's, I mean, I, I'm sitting here going, but I'm sitting here sitting on premium equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I get you. And, you're you trying know. to get in the same headspace as they are because you're, Correct. you know, you're not there because you're not in the same situation. I right. Guess. So, so it's hard for me to understand. And, you know, back to mental, right? Mentally, I'm in a different place than they are because they're they're just dealing with different problems. Maybe. Maybe problems that you don't not. have. Maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe, maybe they're just assuming the rifle is not going to shoot and they just they just you know have that assumption which it's it's again it's back to the to the mental block that they put on themselves because like well you know this rifle it's it's just a you know remington says it's remington says it's a one moa rifle so it's not gonna once they get to one moa they're happy you know yeah. so my daughter she plays soccer right and they played the tournament and they played against you know a neighboring town that's pretty good and their coach told them a tie is a win for us. If we oh, tie man. that team, that's a win. And they had so many chances to score. 
to win. But they didn't yeah. because they were just happy. In their head, they were winning because they were tied. And when the whole deal was over, my daughter was real happy. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to be that guy. I said, but why are you happy? She goes, well, we tied. I'm like, you guys could have won. Like, you guys had so many opportunities. But, it, you know, the coach told them a, a, a tie is a win. And that's it. That's it. That's to them. They were winning and they just did not push harder. You know what I mean? So be very yeah, careful. With, with, with Yeah. The spoken word, Eric, the spoken word is fucking powerful, man. Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing with the mental game is um, like I've had. I am my own. I, I joke on myself. I'm the butt of my own jokes all the time. And I know that's not a good thing to do as far as improving and, and not only that but i i love it when everybody gets in on the joke with me and like oh like i pulled a david or whatever you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and i to get better I'm, I'm having to tell some of my shooting buddies i'm like hey look i know you're just joking because i do it myself but I, I can't hear that anymore if i want to do better i can't say it myself and i can't hear you say it either yeah yeah because well, that that is just like like the coach said hey a tie is a win. Yeah. Dude, they're destined unless the oh, other yeah. team like severely fucked up. If the other team played their game and with that being said, it's not going to do any better than that. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's in, in their head. They were winning. You know what I mean? And what happens when give you're up. winning? You're at a tie. Give well, up when you're winning, what do you do when you're winning? You just ha- try to hang on to your win. Right. Yeah. And they were just, digging. they were just hanging. Yeah. They were just hanging into their, they're tie and they were happy. Coach was happy. And I'm like, no, no, that's not, I said, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? But, uh, anyway, you know, it's, 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 I didn't, obviously I didn't agree with the coach in that situation, but, um, whatever, you know what I mean? I'm not the yeah. coach and, and that's it. But, you know, yeah, uh, I, I get it. <laughs> but anyway, well, I hope this was helpful to somebody. Yeah, dude, it's helpful to me, and uh, if it's helpful to me, I know it's gonna be helpful to other people. I did have that one, and you saw it on Facebook. One, uh, I think it was Russell Dorn. He wanted to hear your opinion mm-hmm. on bushing dyes and the dreaded donut of which oh, people yeah, complain yeah, yeah, yeah. about. So go ahead and get that out for Russell. So um, I need to do a video on this, but so bushings versus mandrels, right? Or or hone dies that with no like no no bushing no, at all. No, no. See, let me explain. See, that's that's here's the bottom line. The only thing that matters is the place that holds the bullet. Right? That's the only thing that really matters. And that's why I need to do a, a, a video where I can so people can visualize that, right? So what matters is what's gonna hold the bullet. The outside of the neck doesn't even touch anything. It's not even supposed to touch anything. If it's touching, it's wrong, right? It's not supposed to touch the chamber. It's not supposed to touch anything, right? But the only reason we use the outside is so we can squeeze it down so that we can use the inside, right? right. Yeah, you're, you're changing the inside by manipulating the right. outside. Correct. That's the only reason we use bushings or dyes or whatever, right? So if you're turning necks, bushing or a hone dye, Whatever that is properly sized is all you need because it's it's a, it's a it's a consistent uh, neck right thickness. So if you push in from the outside two thousands, then it's going to push in two thousands on the inside because it's consistent. However, you have to visualize this: the necks are not perfectly 
the same thickness all the way around. Even after you turn them, there's still going to be variance, right? So you push all the uh, inconsistencies to the inside. When you when you do a bushing, if there's any inconsistencies, they get pushed to the inside because the outside, the bushing is consistently round, perfectly round, right? So everything gets pushed to the inside, right? So that's why you got to follow it up. If if you're not turning next, you got to follow it up with a mandrel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, bushing dies are better, in my opinion, than a hone die because they don't size the neck all the way down, right? A hone die sizes the entire neck, which if you have a donut, it's going to push it to the inside where you don't want it. But if you have a bushing die, you back it off so that you only size 75% of the neck, and then the donut stays on the outside. You follow what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. That's why the bushing dies are better, in my opinion, than a hone die is because the the uh, you le- you keep the donut on the outside. And right. the donut being on the outside, it actually helps line up your 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 cartridge when you chamber it. So it's like right. the best of both worlds, right? The reason you develop the donut is because you're sizing, you're pushing it back to the inside, and that's where it gets in the way. That's another reason I like a lot of freeboard. I don't have to deal with the donut. If if the, right. if a donut develops, I'm not seating my bullet all the way in there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you're you're jumping it out of that neck a good yeah, amount anyway. Yeah, you keep anyway. it you keeping it out of there. So uh, best case scenario gets you about a three thousandths a bushing that sizes about three thousandths neck tension, and then gets you a, a mandrel about two thousandths under bullet diameter, right? Mm-hmm. So you set the you set the tension with the bushing, because you know you gotta have spring back, right? Yeah. So you set the tension with the bushing, and then you uniform the tension with the mandrel. Do not set your tension with the mandrel. That's that's another thing that people go, well, I don't know why it matters because I'm going to use the same size mandrel anyway. Well, it matters because they're spring back. Okay. So uh, just get your bushing about three thousandths under and the mandrel two thousandths. And again, I'm going to repeat, you (laughs) you set tension with the bushing and you uniform your tension with the mandrel. That's right. You're not, you do not set your tension with a mandrel because you're not going to set it. It's that, that spring back is going to get you. So what bushing are you using on your BR? I don't know. Three thousand. I think it's three thousand under. You don't See, remember I, what it is? I don't remember. It's, it's, it's back to the, I spend time setting it all up. And once I do, I change nothing. That's, that's how right. it is. It's barrel after barrel after barrel. It's going to be the same thing. Cause you know, I, I try to simplify my life, you know, and yeah. Uh, people ask me that all the time. I'm like, man, I have no idea. But I think I use that rule of three thousandths under, you know, loaded round diameter, and then the the the, the mandrel I use two thousandths under, you know. Right. Yep. And and that's just the rule of thumb that I use. And that's uh, typically a neck turn mandrel is the two thou, the two thou uh, mandrel. Right. The no neck turn, their standard one is I think one thou. I don't know. I, yeah, I think I that's what it is. I don't keep track of any of that stuff because uh, I make my own mandrels. So. Well, then, yeah, <laughs> then it doesn't matter. You, you're making yours. So. Yeah. Us uh, common folk are buying them. Let's please. Here, here's, here's, here's <laughs> some, I'll tell you what works amazingly well for making mandrels, especially if you're just going to neck up brass or whatever. You can go to MacMaster Car, and you can get bronze. And there's they have what's called oil-impregnated bronze. Mm-hmm. And they also have graphite impregnated bronze. If you get the graphite impregnated bronze and you make a mandrel out of it, it's very it's very hard to turn. You have to make a lot of very light passes because it'll it'll break real easy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But if you make a mantra out of that, you can neck a brass all day long and you don't ever have to lube it or you don't have to do anything because it has that graphite. graphite. Yeah. And it's freaking amazing. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's, that's what cool. I do. But yeah, back to the donut for you, buddy. Um, I would suggest the bushing die. I don't know what he's using. Do you know what he's using? I have no clue. Yeah, bushing die. Get that bushing just to where you size about 75% of the neck only. And uh, hopefully keep the donut on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, I look I look at my necks, even on the dasher, a little short neck. I look at the necks, and I can see how far down the neck. Um, you can see where it sized it, just from discoloration right. or whatever, from the dye or whatever. And then, yeah, you said 75 80%, and then leave the rest of it untouched. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Was well, there anything else you want to get out of, Eric? No, not at the moment. I think we're good. <laughs> uh, everybody, hey, the Patreon account, Eric's Patreon account, hey, it's it's worth it. I did the the ten dollar option, so well, you got thank you. you got thank thirty you. bucks of mine last month. <laughs> thank you. Was so, it worth uh, it? I, dude, I loved them. Yeah, absolutely. Good, I, good. I, I hadn't changed anything, so good. I'm, I'm I'm uh you know excited about the next ones to come on the Patreon account. Yeah, so. I'm a, I've been a little slow this month. I be, I, I became a pistol shooter, you know. <laughs> hey man, look, hey it's. it's yeah, getting deadly. That's, that's the name of the game. That's one of the reasons why I do this shit is to make me a more deadly person. Yeah. You know, really to make me a better hunter. And I think every American just needs to be as deadly as you could possibly be. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's so. uh, you know, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. You know, I've had this last week, week and a half. I've had the some of the most fun I've had in a long time. Because I mean, hell, man, I, I got to hang out with Jerry Mitchell. I got to, I got to shoot against Demolition Ranch. I mean, and, and you know that guy. I know a lot of people, and I know because I know a lot of people look at that guy and go, oh man, that guy is just, he's just a, he's just a, a guy just living the dream. That's it. Having fun. He's you having know? fun. He's having fun, and 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 uh, that's just what he decided to do, and that's just what works for him, and. You know, uh, he's a really cool guy. You know, I've, I got to know him and I'm like, off camera, this he's really cool. Yeah, this guy, you know, I mean, he has, you have to understand that everybody has to develop kind of a character. You know, his character sure. is that, that crazy guy that does crazy shit, you know, but yeah. off camera, he's just like you and I, man, just a, just a down to earth guy. But uh, just like, you know, just like, I'm sure, you know, like Jerry, you know, that guy is just fucking us awesome as can be you know and sure, and, yeah. and it's just like anybody else you know it's like um i have yet to meet somebody that in at least in this sport that that at least is not willing to give you the time of day to help you out you know sure and that that's the that's the beauty that's the, man that's the that's the 2a community buddy and yeah. it's that's what i love about it so yeah all right man well I cool. hope I hope they enjoy this one as much as the last one. And, yeah, uh, I, I'm sure they will. Uh, I know I did. So, um, <laughs> wait, we're gonna have to sometime another. We gotta do a part three maybe and get you as a regular guest. So we'll yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come know, up with some more We'll shit. see what kind of questions they come up with and uh, you know maybe uh, maybe tackle some of that stuff. You know. Yeah. So actually, listeners, guys, if y'all have questions for Eric directly, feel free to comment on this episode. And uh, and we'll we'll have record of those, and then the next time we'll come reference back, and uh, the next time I got Eric on, um, we'll uh, we'll, we'll and, bring those questions up. And just uh, if you guys haven't joined my YouTube channel, go join it because I got some really and, cool stuff. And Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. So I I ordered a railgun. You ordered it. I, it's been ordered. 
Okay. And that's going to allow me and you guys to find out so many of these things that, you know, everybody thinks makes a difference. You know, for example, I already, you know, I did a video where like, okay, there's, here's the ammo with half ammo or half or freaking four thousands of run out. And I shoot and it's like half a moi, no, no problem. Like, see, it don't do, doesn't matter. Unsorted brass, just all, you know, all these things that a lot of people think makes a huge difference. I'm like, look, guys, it doesn't freaking matter. Don't waste your time, you know. So yeah. the rail gun is going to, the reason for the rail gun is obviously I want to remove the human error. Absolutely. And I want to be able to say, okay, here's a gun and I'm going to tune it as good as possible. But let's just say, for example, let's say it shoots consistently one inch at 500 yards, right? Then I'm going to be like, okay, it's shooting one inch consistently at 500 yards with this ammo. All right, let's throw some crooked ammo in there. See what she you does. Know, see what it does. Oh, look, it's still one inch. Okay. Yes, it's an inch throw. and a half. Yeah. Are you going to miss because of that? <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, okay, it mattered. Okay, uh, let's point some bullets, guys. And, you know, so I want to do all those, all those tests with a That's real testing rig you know what i mean and i think we're gonna i think we're gonna both of us are gonna learn and all of us are gonna learn a lot from from that rail gun i can't uh, wait I'm, being able I'm to super you know being able to, to uh throw different seating depths in there you know all mixed together you know maybe test a charge master versus a prometheus you yeah. know how much does it matter you know what i mean and all those things that i'm, I'm just eager to test you know but anyway that's I'm, I'm coming for you to do it <laughs> that's coming all right man cool well, hey look stay on real quick and we end this and yeah. uh guys i appreciate y'all listening sorry it took uh i've been i've been waiting me and eric have actually landed on a couple days trying to trying to get this knocked out and you know life gets in the way but uh sorry it, it took this long to get back with you guys but uh anyway stay tuned we'll get on the next guest or, or be a solo either way i'm gonna bring a good episode to you appreciate it